here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, King of Banter, Katakabashi of Sex, Reason Well Explained Man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? I uh, didn't realize that the Winter Olympics had started as I'm flipping through the channels. Looking yeah, it's stuff. bullshit. Cause, no, cause the, the, tom- I, I got confused by that, too, because tomorrow is the opening ceremony, but like figure skating, I think what, what curling's on right now, if I remember correctly. There the is some curling on, on Friday. Yes. What the fuck? Like, that, that, that just kind of... Because I thought I missed ceremony. the op- well, because I thought I missed the opening ceremony, which I, I kind of like that. I like I have no need for the Olympics really, but I like the opening ceremony. You'll I like watch, being, you'll like, watch the geeks do the march. Yeah, the I'm like, oh, that's a cool country. I've never heard of that. I'm like, oh, that's a, where's that country at? And then you know what I mean? Like look through and go on my Google Maps and be like, oh, that's a pretty cool looking country. <laughs> you know, like there's there's some yeah. times that come up. There's the they oiled up uh, Tongan guy last year uh, at the Summer Olympics. He was a big hit with everybody. He's as there well. again? I yeah, he's he's bobsledding now, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, is it bobsled or some figure skate or whatever? So he's back. So no, yeah, like, figure skating. I think he's. I think he's. No, a, I say figure. What did I? Did I say figure? Skating? He's not a bobsledder either. You know what he did? He's cross country skiing. But that's that's it. Yeah. So the, yeah. the 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 oily Tongan will be there. I believe he'll have a shirt on this time, but I feel like he shouldn't. If he really the wants oily to keep it. Tongan. Yes. <laughs> what was he in the winter summer Olympics? Didn't he fucking um, was he a javelin or some shit? What did he do? I don't remember. I don't remember. A wrestler, judo judo guy. I thought he was. A, I thought he was a wrestler, but I could I could be wrong. Whatever it was, he probably stunk, right? <laughs> no, he was terrible. Uh, Nobody cared. No, it's just, he was just oily and, and in good shape. No one ever does well from those yeah. small islands. It's like it's like Jeff Cobb finishing like 38th in wrestling, you know, for Guam a million years ago or whatever it was. Well, I had at work, I had and, uh, a former Olympian uh, said that she used our equipment or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. She was like a diver. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I look up and she had been in four Olympics. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This will be awesome. And she was like, finished like 58th. You know what I mean? Like, right. she was from Malaysia. And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember any Malaysian divers really ever being good. And it's like, you know, I could promote it, but do you really want to promote, like, hey, we helped her finish like 80th and. You know, yeah, it's like uh, the Olympics. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, they just had to invite her, and she came. So, you buried the best diver in Malaysia. I know. I, I feel sorry, and she's an elite um, diver. You know, I mean, better diver than anyone I've ever you know dove with. Because as, as Joe, you, I know you are. You and I are both uh, expert divers, so we can definitely speak. Expert this. divers. Yes. Well, that's the thing. See, that's the thing about the Olympics. Like, she's obvious. She's the best diver in Malaysia. But she'd probably get beat at any decent high school meet in the United States. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like it, that, so the Olympics, you do get, and look, that's fine. I, I understand it's a celebration of the world and you want to get the best athletes from each of these countries. That's, I, I understand that totally, but you do get some, so look at, I mean, another one, look at Mark Henry, world's strongest man. Didn't he finish 19th <laughs> in his week? Like, I, I was kind of really upset as a kid when they would call him the world's strongest man. I'm like, A, that's like factually incorrect, even in the time when you could have, like even in 1996, you could not have called him the world's strongest man. But then they kept calling right. him the world's strongest he, he got it like, like, like forever, for 20 years later. Yeah. Like you don't get it in perpetuity. And it's like he didn't even get it in the first place. He wasn't ever the world's strongest man. I think he set some weird record and some weird lift or something like that. And they kind of went with that. But they ran with it. It was like 2009. And they're like, wow, world's strongest man. Like, no, in 1996, he was 19th among, you know, no, he's not the world's strongest man. At best, he was the world's (laughs) 19th strongest man. Right, yes. 20 years ago. (laughs) That's not the best pro wrestling moniker. You know, they can't have him come out and say, and here's Mark Henry, a pretty strong guy. Yeah. He's got to, you know. So I understand why they do it. But I think I think the Tongan fella, the oily Tongan, who a lot of the women enjoyed with the shirt, wasn't that his gimmick? He was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, you know, got me going a little bit, too. He's, he's uh, very geez. oily, very in shape, man. I mean, it was, it was, it was good. My God, dude. Rich, simmered down over there. But, right. uh, you know, I, I believe uh, he's doing – he's doing – I don't remember his summer event. But yeah, I'm going to look it up right now. It's Pizza Nicolas uh, Tafatua. I'm not even going to say it, but whatever. He uh, – He's doing cross-country skiing. Now, what I wanted to say about that was that doesn't say much for cross-country skiing where someone who never did it before, who is an athlete in another sport, can just train for like three years because you figure he had to qualify a year ago, right? You don't qualify a week before the Olympics start. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the background here. In December 2016, he posted a video announcing his plans to train and compete in cross-country skiing. He was uh, Taekwondo. He was Taekwondo before. I knew it was some kind of 2016, he decides, you know what? Cross-country skiing sounds good. So (laughs) it took him like a year (laughs) to be an Olympic caliber cross-country skier. Now, good for him. I have nothing against this man. Okay, he's obviously 10 times the athlete I'll ever be. My issue here is with the difficulty of cross-country skiing if you can train for a year and qualify for the Olympics. I have lost a lot of respect for cross-country skiing. For the the hardcore cross-country skiers. Well, you have to watch. You have to see what the competition's like because it, it maybe maybe it's a thing where, like, it, you, you can, you know, the elite of the elite are, like, so much better than the others and everybody else kind of, like, sucks and just acts like some random dude at your You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that top, make, like, the top five are fucking awesome and they're great at yeah. it and everybody else just kind of sucks. Well, if he finishes, like, 70th and he's not a real contender and it's one of those deals where he qualified because – his other qualifying pool was other people from Samoa and Tonga and all these other people who are terrible at cross country skiing. All right. Well then he's just the gimmick competitor. Yeah, you know what? I don't like think he's very home. good at, um, I'm looking at this. I don't think he's very good at Taekwondo either. He lost to an Iranian man, uh, 16 to one in the first round and was eliminated. That was it. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so I think he just like, isn't enough shape and is enough of a good athlete that he can get into these things. He's then, basically like, here's what it is, Rich. He's better than uh, he's better at everything than everyone else from Tonga. Okay? Right. So it's like he's he's like he's the fucking you know what he is? He's the gym class bully in Tonga, is what he is. He's just better than everyone else at every sport in fucking Tonga. So he can he can probably qualify for pretty much any Olympic activity he wanted to, and he chose cross country skiing. You know, maybe he did some research. I mean, there's 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 a a number of uh, Tongans in in pro wrestling history that could should have been doing this instead of pro wrestling. Are you kidding? 
I think I, I make know. Way over I, it. Don't do this. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> but now I'm wondering, you know, if, if it was this easy for uh, Elpita to do this, then I don't know. I mean, what? The, the, yeah. the great lineage of Tongan wrestlers, and you know, they're all are all wasted, wasted away in this wrestling business. I mean, he lost sixteen to one in the first round. I mean, you know, the guy. I, I don't. I don't know where elite. Uh, taekwondo people. I don't even know what you, what do you call a guy who practices taekwondo. A taekwondo. Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. You're asking the absolute wrong person. But like, it's not whatever you're about to say. Whatever, whatever you're about I, to say, I promise it's not what it is. Whatever, wherever your top taekwondo. Are you just a taekwondo like, practitioner? Is it one of those? I don't think. I don't think you add another. I could be wrong. Well, if, like judo guys are judokas, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is a taekwondo guy? What do you call him? A, a, a taekwondoite or a. Uh, 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 right I, here, uh, the per Wikipedia it says Pita, da, 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 whatever, is a Tongan Taekwondo practitioner. Okay, there you go. And skier from so, Australia. So they just they just they they skip all the weird words and all that, and just say skier and and practitioner for that. So I, so what happens at the Olympics is whether it's Taekwondo or you know your Malaysian diver or cross country skiing or even something like the hundred meter dash, you do have the best of the best there. But there's a lot of scrubs too because it's just really inclusive at the Olympics. You know, so, um, you know, he end up with the shirtless Tongan guy who's yeah, going to go out there and embarrass himself in cross-country skiing. I think he's just got a lot of time or he's just kind of a, a workhorse because he has an engineering degree and he's currently working on his master's degree as well. So it's Listen, a per- he sounds like a hell of a and He's guy. also been a model. He's been a model since he was 18. So, ladies, if you're looking for a guy who's got it all together, Olympian, this is what I'm saying. master's the, degree, the, the, the abs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this, uh, this shirtless Tongan, I mean – you definitely introduce them to your sister, you know, like it just seems like a very well-rounded, intelligent, uh, driven man, but he's, sir, I would, I, he, look, he's a gimmick Olympian, but you know, <laughs> aren't those the fun stories though? Do you remember Eddie, oh, the, Eagle, yeah. the fucking ski jumper from England, Eddie, the Eagle. Do you remember him? Or is uh, that yeah, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. He was no, terrible. I, I, it wasn't for my time, but yeah, I do remember him. Yeah. And he was, he was horrible. He was the <laughs> shit, you know, he's like blind was his gimmick. Like, and he, <laughs> <laughs> he was finishing like 40 feet behind the people who were meddling. Like it was a joke, but you know, but I bet you, you don't, do you remember who won the gold medal that year? No, oh, yeah, you no, hell no. You know, Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. You remember Eddie the Eagle though. You'll remember this fucking, sh- you'll be talking about this shirtless Tongan on this show 20 years from now. And yes, you will be doing this show 20 mm-hmm. years from oh, now. Oh, certainly. Yeah. But you won't, you, Does you, me, are you, you that or what's going on here? What, there's no fucking shot. You'll be talking about that Iranian who beat him 16 to one. Or whatever dope wins the cross country skiing next week, but you'll remember this shirtless Tongan. So, in fact, I think someone should book him for pro wrestling. They should. He's, ta- he's probably great at it too. I mean, being being, I, I think he's actually from Australia, but um, I don't know. There's some weird thing. I think his mother is a Tongan descent or whatever. So, oh, that's what, he's, a, he's not even a he's a gimmick right. Tongan. So he's a, he's, a, he's a gimmick Tongan too. That I'm, now that he I'm looking this even, up. So, so he found out that his mom was from there and was like, oh, that's a cool. That's like a country that I could definitely go to. I'm starting to hate this guy. You know, I'm starting to hate this guy. I've He's just a, 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 a you know kind of a gimmick overachiever. Um, no, this is why I'm turning on the shirtless Tongan. He knew he couldn't qualify for these sports in Australia because Australia's oh, no. got yeah, God Australia's no. got their shit together. You know they've got some good athletes in Australia. He's he so he had to like cheat and use his heritage and just beat up on the fucking Tonga. What's the what's the population of Tonga? About nine thousand. Okay, so he he qualifies for these events in Tonga where it's easy. You know what? I believe we are also of? the biggest podcast in Tonga too, which is pretty incredible. So. I think we are. This reminds me of the World Baseball Classic where the, oh, the Italians the Italians with Mike Piazza, who's never been to Italy in his life, 
And then the other the one Jews. that annoys me, yes, the Israeli team, which is just Jewish Major League Baseball players. <laughs> Ryan Broad, yes, yes, I am from Israel. <laughs> Jason Marquis taking the hill for Israel. Just they were great last year, though. That team was incredible. That was uh, that was an awesome team. I always team. root for them. You know why I root for the Israeli team? Because I know the players. Like I'm like, hey, that's Jason Marquis. That's just a Major League team. Yeah, I really like yeah. – like, that, my favorite thing, I went to a World Baseball Classic um, when I was in San Francisco because they were there – uh, the, the one of the years I was, and one of the awesome things to see was the team Netherlands. Because you think of the Netherlands, and I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to be like these six foot seven, you know, blonde hair guys, like Owen Verns or like Hans Verndengamp or whatever would be pitching or whatever. And then it's just all these guys from like these random Caribbean islands. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that's not fun. They're from the but Netherlands. Then there was enough. It's all the major leaguers like Jonathan Scope and people. Yeah, like right. That. And it was like, yeah. yeah, it was like Pedro Soraka and and, and yeah. uh, I forgot who the other. I was like, oh man. But like the cool yeah. thing was they still like their bullpen was all those guys, like all just like right. random. But like the actual position players were just all like dudes from random like Curacao and and random yeah. ass islands that you don't even know about. Yeah, but guys yeah, the yeah. majors mm-hmm. yeah, that exactly. are that are nether their Netherlands territories. <laughs> right. I'm like, but oh, that's, that's dumb. But that's less cheating than this Tongan guy who from Australia and the Jewish guys who play for Israel and Mike Piazza playing for Italy. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Uh, so per the 2011 census, there is 103,000 people that live in Tonga. So, Oh, Jesus Christ. There's more people in, in College <laughs> Station, Texas. Right. That would be like me. Rich, don't you think if College no, Station... No, you're not the best. You're not even one of the best athletes in anything. In well, hear State. me out. Hear me out. Okay. If College Station, Texas was allowed to have Olympic entries... Don't you think I could pick a sport and qualify in something? I mean, I've got to be the best something in College Station, Texas, especially if I spent the year training in it. Who else is cross-country skiing in College Station, Texas? I bet you less people that are cro- – who's cross-country skiing in Tonga? You know, you got to look at it from that perspective. So this is bullshit. I'm rooting against this guy now. I hope oh, he's I've, turned, I've turned you on. <laughs> I have turned heel on the shirtless Tongan. If he would have qualified from Australia, I'd have a lot more respect for him because there's actual competition there. I don't like this. I don't like he's a cheater. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through the list of uh, of things now. I'm trying to figure out what you could do. So, um, so this is a good. Winter, I'm, like, I'm gonna... keep me off the ice. That's one thing I don't want. Oh, so do you don't want the winter? Okay, so there's I, I, I got them here. There's not too many of them. We got alpine skiing. Any chance of no, that? I, I know I'd be a terrible skier. Yeah, biathlon. There's no chance in hell you're doing biathlon. No, that those are real athletes. Well, wait yeah, a minute. Isn't the biathlon like shooting a gun? And then <laughs> I think that's the one you have to shoot at some point too. Which you are definitely not the best shooter in anywhere near. Learn, co- yeah, but here's you the literally about- be the worst shooter in College Station, Texas. Oh yeah, I, that'd be horrible because everyone does that here. Yeah. But anyone can learn to shoot a gun. I but mean, I think no, such- that's but you also have to like ski downhill and then shoot a target while you're skiing or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah, a lot, that's, you know, there's a lot probably in there. Myself, if I did that, that's yeah. Bobsled. I feel like you might be all right at bobsled. Listen, if the Jamaicans can put a gimmick team <laughs> in the bobsled, don't you think I could find like don't you yeah, think you I could find two a- other people? Like there could be two other it. really good, and then you just have to be the third wheel, which is not hard. Like you got to be the guy that sits in there and, and dies when the thing goes haywire or whatever. That's not I think I can drag you down here and like a sprinter on the AM track team, and the three of us can do the bobsled. Right? I think we can qualify for uh, you know. the aforementioned cross country skiing. That that's a possibility there. I think anyone can learn to do. I honestly think if you're just in good shape, you can you can train and be good at that. Look, look at the Tongan. Yeah. I mean, there's a good example. Uh, curling is a great one too. I think you could you could definitely. All you need to do for like a year, get ready a curling. I, I think it, it's fun, but like I think that's one that you can you can you could do if you needed to. Look, the Canadians are going to get mad at us, but I've got the curling on right now on NBC Sportsnet, and you know why I know I could qualify for the curling if it was limited to College Station, Texas, because they're all because chubby if you, dudes. If you look at the curlers, they look like bowlers. 
which yeah. means <laughs> they're just chubby like middle-aged men and you don't chubby have to be an middle-aged athlete. women yeah it's just yeah it's just it's a skill it's not an athletics yeah. it's just a it's like throwing darts or bowling anyone can be good i, I, I had a guy i used to work with that was a big curler and like all they would do is just get drunk they just get hammered and like go and then like he got really good at it after like two years of playing because it's just like you know you just get drunk and and show up so. it'd be like if horseshoes was an olympic event anyone <laughs> could get to throw in horseshoes yeah if that's I mean, all you do if you just curl every day you could you could probably figure it out eventually are you familiar with bocce an italian oh, yes, lawn? yes, yes. Yeah, very, like very anyone could get good at bocce you know bocce right lawn darts that's the yeah, that's another one like it's it's all the same croquet, shit these, croquet yeah i could i could be great at croquet if i just and like you said play it. these are these are games people are good at when they're drunk yeah, you, right, know? So right. you know so all right. I mean, we could shit on Olympic athletes all night. I love doing this. I mean, it's fantastic. You know, now that we've shit on uh, on Olympic athletes who realistically would probably, you know, perform circle. This 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 shirtless Tongan would probably destroy me in any athletic endeavor. But I have no problem shitting on him because I I do think he's a dirty yeah. cheater. I went through the other ones and there's you have no chance in any of the others. There's snowboarding, ski jumping, the skeleton. The skeleton's fucking nuts. That's like the thing where you have like is a, a piece of crazy sheet. ass. You have like a uh, yeah, yeah, you have like a fucking piece of sheet metal. <laughs> You're going down like these giant, like seven, like seventy miles per hour down a hill or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Skeleton, you could legitimately die. Yeah, it's, at any given moment. Short trek, speed skating. There's no way you got to be close no, to no. people. That, I, I, that. I love the speed skate. The speed no, that skate. one's awesome. Yeah, I have the ultimate respect for that. And the other thing about the speed skating, not only do you have to be a great athlete and be awesome at that, but one one of what the slightest mistake. And four years of training is down the drain because yeah. those people just fall all the time. Right. Because if you sneeze cool. or have an itch, you're done. Like, it's over. <laughs> or know? if someone's skate hits you and you fall. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah, you have to all be in line and all have to know where everybody is and all, and all that. Yeah, you can't, you can't bump into somebody just a little bit and kind of recover. You're done. It's over. And, yeah. and you, uh, the luge, there's no chance you're doing it. That's where, you you know, it's okay. it's the opposite of the skeleton. You you sit back first on the piece of sheet metal and go down a hill a thousand miles per hour, uh, long trek, speed skating, ice hockey. Yeah. You're not doing that freestyle skiing. You're not doing that. And you're certainly not doing figure skating. You are not Yuri on ice at all. So I might be able to do the figure skating. I could be, no, uh, you could not. Yeah. no, no, you, you, don't think I do the, you don't think I can learn the figure skating. I don't think you could, but put on a little leotard, right? They wear that. They wear a leotard, right? I don't oh, know. No, they wear like, no, they were like pants. pants. They were like, yeah, they were like, like dress bell bottom pants. pants yeah, right? yeah. It's always like bell bottom. Bell bottoms yeah, and like a long sleeve button up or whatever. It's bell bottom with sequins, you know. Yeah, I don't know if that's my look, but no, uh, I don't think you could pull off the, the. I think I could do the cross country skiing and I can do the uh, the ski jump because if if blind Eddie the Eagle, can do it, <laughs> oh, I guess can't... that's true. You're not trying to actually. Win. You're just trying to be like the 80th best in in this. That's, I'm, all I'm all I want to do is I all I'm saying is I could qualify, right? You know, like your Malaysian diver and this dope from Australia who claims he's Samoan. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I think Rich he never said he was Samoan. He said he was Tongan, sir. Oh, the, yeah. The dopey Tongan, who, the fake dopey Tongan. Yeah. yeah and you really no. turned on this guy like eight minutes ago. I, you were all no, in. I'm, on, annoyed. I'm pizza. fucking annoyed. But yeah, you're done with him. Yeah. You yeah. really turned the corner here. All right. Let's talk about some wrestling here. Uh, today, we got some good stuff to talk about. We got 205 Live, The Reborn. Talk a little bit about what's been going on with 205 Live, some changes uh, afoot at the old 205 Live. We got uh, Match of the Year. We're going to wrap up our Match of the Year, talk about our ballots. 
uh, react to the uh, results and what happened with that. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling got the new beginning in Osaka show coming up this weekend. We're going to preview that. And then also some All Japan here. All Japan had a really good Yokohama show. Uh, really good, you know, a lot of stuff going on in All Japan. So we definitely want to talk about that. The Champion Carnival lineup uh, coming up in April. So a lot of good stuff there. And then I'm sure there'll be some uh, some odds and ends along the way. But we did want to start out here with the 205 Live. We're calling it 205 Live of the Reborn. That's kind of taken over a, a new thing off the uh, Pro, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah the reborn last year when Noah kind of got things together and got back on track. Man, 205 Live, if you have not been watching the last two weeks of 205 Live, and I, I d- finally dove in again because people are like, you got to see this, you got to see this. This is a night and day show. And now we kind of know why it is as well. Yeah. So um, we actually were tipped off to this a few days ahead of time and we're hoping to talk about it on the show. But now the news has broken widespread. But uh, essentially, Vince McMahon is no longer overseeing the show. Um, I would assume. I don't know if you've read anything different than I have, but I haven't really seen a reason. I suspect he just got bored with it. Um, you know, he's got a lot going on. He's trying to get this football league off the ground. Yeah, D- Dave, uh, Dave in, the, in this week's Observer kind of mentioned the XFL as being a part of it, but never gave that as an official reason that Vince kind of said. Yeah. And I think it was a little bit A, a little bit of B. It's like, hey, look, I got a lot on my plate, and I don't really give a shit about this thing anymore. Or he could have recognized that, hey, whatever I'm doing is not working. Oh, I mean, please. But I, we know that that, you know, we know the third uh, is probably not happening. So he was either too busy or too bored or maybe a combination of the two. I, I, well, I, we, I'm guessing the third option was not uh, that he said, ah, oh, you know what? I'm just not the man for this job. So we've seen this pattern play out with when they brought back superstars. What year was that? 2010 or 2011? Yeah, 2010, maybe. 2011, somewhere in there. Whenever they brought back superstars, it was... It started off as a one-hour show that featured one match from Raw, one match from SmackDown, and had big stars on it, and there was a lot of focus on it. And then eventually, Vince got bored and stopped paying attention to superstars, and away we go. Uh, 2009, sorry, 2009, April 2009 2009 is when it came back. Main event, same thing. They roll out main event. Uh, Vince is paying close attention to it. He's got his hands on it, and then eventually, he washed his hands of main event. I think you're sort of seeing the same thing here. I, I think that he just, you know, he's a busy guy with a lot on his plate. And, um, you know, I think he through, he just got bored of it. So um, that's just my speculation. At any rate, Triple H is now overseeing the show. And his fingerprints are obviously all over it. Uh, the Cruiserweight classic style presentation that we have been screaming about for the last almost year and a half that this show has existed has now taken hold. And there have been a lot of changes. Uh, when I saw that they were going to have a uh, general manager, are they calling it a general manager? Or is that what uh, he is officially? It? Yes, they, he's officially yeah. a general manager. I, I rolled it that initially too, but it ended up actually yeah. being pretty good. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that they were going to have an authority figure, I just thought, well, you know, I'm, this is going down a wrong path. But it's it's more of a a William Regal style authority figure uh, that you see in NXT rather than. Uh, at least to this point, it's only been two weeks, but with, with Triple H's track record with NXT, I don't think we're going to get a authority figure who's heavily involved in the storylines and, and, and being a heel or being all these sorts of things with Spud. I think we're going to get a William Regal-style one where they really only make their presence felt to fill in storyline holes and explain why certain things are happening. Right, like the old school, like what we what, yeah. what a lot of us grew up on with the Jack Tunney types and the uh, even later the Gorilla Monsoons or whatever. They don't really interject themselves too much. They just show up when they need to or they show up every week and they just try to get things on track. Whereas like Kurt Angle's fucking stuff up left and right and, and Daniel Bryan and Shane Man are fighting over power and, all, and, and trying to figure all this out. Drake Maverick or whatever, the former Rockstar Spud and, and to a lesser extent William Regal as well. They just kind of come 
people say stuff and they go, okay, well, here's what's going to happen because I said so. And that's it. Like, there's not a debate. People aren't beating them up. They're not in matches. They're not in storylines or whatever. It's just like, hey, that's the guy who's kind of running the show. And that's, unfortunately, for better or for worse, they've kind of taken that WWE in general has sort of, that's that's how they tell their stories now. And I think now we're seeing that when Triple H eventually does take over, that that's just going to be a thing that he always kind of keeps up. But he does it in a way that's not grading. Like, William Regal on NXT is fine. I don't I would be fine if he wasn't there, but he doesn't take away from the show. He doesn't actively detract from the show. In fact, sometimes he enhances it. And and sometimes you need that straight laced guy to kind of say, hey, here's my word and, and here's what we're gonna do and there we go or whatever, which is pretty good. So like you know you, a lot of times you'll have arguments between talent or whatever. And in, in this case William Regal is kind of the the the, the liaison is just like all right look 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 here's what we're gonna do and that's it. And then his word is bond and then everybody goes with that. Whereas on yeah. Raw and on SmackDown, it's always this power struggle. There's always, you know, this guy fighting with this guy. The, the general manager is favoring this group. The general manager is a heel. General manager is the baby face or whatever. William Regal is just a guy. You know, he just shows up, does what's best for the, the company, or does what, what's best for the brand, and then moves on. He doesn't play sides. He doesn't play favorites. He just wants, you know, order. And that's, that's what, 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 what Tony was and, and what many guys were before it became, you know, sort of the thing to do to have the – the general manager or the, the person running the show always be in the shit and always causing a, an uproar or whatever. Yeah. Even if he dislikes the heels, he's fair. Even if he has to grit his teeth and be fair to a heel or whatever, uh, you know, that's what William Regal will do. That's so a I'm new doing... noise, Joe. It's not your dog barking anymore. That's oh, like... you hear it. You hear a, uh, a child's. <laughs> that's the domesticated Joe lands of noise right there. No dogs, yeah. but a screaming child. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on down there. <laughs> You heard that before I did. Clearly a better father. That's can you take care of that or what? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my problem. I don't have to do anything. Uh, We could just carry on with this two. All right, let's do it. Five live conversation. Um, Yeah. So we saw, you know, Spud in that role. I guess he's known as uh, what's his name? Maverick. Drake Maverick. So he's got like a, uh, a soap opera name, uh, soap opera slash porn name. Uh, so I don't I, one know of the things I love is that people just, um, and it doesn't happen as much anymore, but it always happened back in the FCW days or whatever, where when a guy would get a new name, it was just, you always had to hate the new name. You always had to say, Oh, why is he this? Or always oh, better is this, but like, and I saw people doing this with Drake Maverick, like Drake, Ma- his name is rockstar spud. You know what I mean? Like Drake Maverick's yeah. fine. It's rockstar fine. Like, spud is not a good name. No, um, like, there's, there's some names that are like, like I even got that to a lesser extent with Chris hero. Like, I like Chris Hero because yeah. I was used to it, but I got when they were like, let's call him something that's not Chris Hero. But I was definitely but one of those people the- in 2011 that was like, oh, come on, how do you call him something else? Like, Yeah, but I mean, Cassius Ono's a terrible name, too. No, I it's know. Like, it, here's it wasn't the thing. like it was better, but it was like Chris Hero's not a great name either. Especially here's the thing it. about the names, though. If you get used to any name. Dolph Ziggler has been. Dolph Ziggler yeah. is my it, end game example. There was a man named Dolph Ziggler who was wrestled there for a decade plus now. You know, I mean, there are some names that stink, but eventually you get used to any name. It's but but I don't think Drake Maverick is a good name. It's 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 a cheesy name, but you'll get used to it. I mean, if you got used to Rockstar Spud, you know, the only reason we didn't think Rockstar Spud was a weird name is because that's what we've been calling him for ten years. Exactly right. It's, you're gonna get used to it. You know, um, you know, people were chanting Spud when they brought him out, which was a bit surprising. I mean, you know, it's it's you know. It, TNA during the Rockstar Spud era was doing, you know, not even close. Well, was he there at the tail end of the 2.1 million era? I don't know. I don't remember. I forgot um, when he came in. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it does, I, I don't remember when he came in exactly. But, yeah, so he's he's calls it down the middle, and he is a cruiserweight wrestler. Uh, at some point, um, I suppose he can get involved as a wrestler. 
Uh, but from what we were told, um, they were the company was pretty stunned at how tiny he was. So maybe they think he's even too small for those purposes. Um, so who knows? But he's he look the first two weeks he's doing a great job. He's he's he we know he's a great talker. His promos have been excellent. Um, he gets his point across. He's 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 good at that role, you know. And that is a role where I agree. If you have a good person in that role, I think the role is a net positive. If you have an average person or a shitty person in that role, I rather just have a non-identified behind the scenes figure that's never identified. You know what I mean? I rather just have the announcer say the championship committee has deemed. You know, I'd rather. Yeah, I'm that fine with that. Yeah, and I've always argued with people too because everybody and there's people. There's a whole generation of people that I totally understand that that came up with that has to be a thing. That there has to be somebody running the show, and it's like no, there 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 does this. It, it just can happen. Now. Yeah, things can just matches could just be made. But but I get it now. There, I mean, we are in. God, the Mr. McMahon character is is you know nineteen ninety late ninety seven, really you know mid ninety seven or whatever, and and before that even you have. Uh, you, you know, Roddy Piper as the commissioner and Gorilla Monsoon and even like the guy I mentioned earlier, Jack Tunney or whatever. So it's really been since like basically 1991 that there's always been somebody. And even in the Nitro yeah. days, you had J.J. Dillon or that was running the show. And then it became Flair and, and all those, you know, random things. But you have to go, I mean, you really have to go back 97 for the character to be a really over the top one. And then 1991 for there to always just be that person there that could sort of set yeah. the rules when it was needed but pretty much since 1997 98 it's been like every night that guy has to make the matches and do everything yeah it not not just make the matches and make decisions but a constant presence on the show right, and be involved in everything be involved in almost every story as well and, and, we, and we, you know we can remember wrestling before that but a lot of people like you're saying do not even have that frame of reference which is kind of a shame um but yeah but no i have no problem with spud slash drake maverick he's doing a good job um, you know, it's also, they kind of press the reset button. So, you know, with, with the, with the, the show in limbo for a couple of weeks there, it, it seems like it, it might be good to have someone in this role to sort of bring law and order back to things and, and, and set the new direction. And that new direction is, you know, with triple H as the showrunner, so to speak is, uh, is a more cruiserweight classic style presentation, which is what we have been screaming about and shockingly rich, shockingly. The show has been fucking awesome for two right. weeks. It's been okay. awesome, yeah. And that's yeah. that's been a, th- a theme with this show as well, is that anytime Vince McMahon gets away from something, and we've said it from the yes. day one, and again, like this is our opinion. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you don't have to like Vince McMahon things and he's ruining your childhood and all that, and then your childhood's been ruined, and I'm saying your childhood, whatever. I'm just saying our opinion as far as this show has been is that the second Vince McMahon touches something, it becomes worse. And when he lets his hands away from it or he goes away from something, it's almost always better. And this is yet another example of that. NXT is a running example of that. He doesn't have barely a, 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 any part of that. And it's consistently fantastic. We're seeing it from 205 Live. Yeah. We saw what the 205 Live under Vince was. And now we're seeing the last two weeks under you know Triple H. And you'd yeah. be, I think you'd be actually an absolute lunatic to choose the old 205 Live over what we're getting right now. Oh, an nobody would. Lunatic. I mean, nuts. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't checked the network top tens yet. I'm going to give it a. Couple. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be successful. I mean, I don't know, no, but, don't know that, but but all I know I, is that I'm enjoying it more. And the target audience that they were trying to go at for the show is all enjoying it way more. We could just see it yeah. from from our mentions. We could see it from from traffic and all that sort of stuff. That the the target audience that's supposed to be watching this show is loving the new direction. Whether or not that reflects in, in ratings, we'll see. Well, here's well here well here's why. And I know we've talked about this, but here's why. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with your target audience. Um, uh, thing and I'm, I'm going to attack it from this perspective. When Vince was running the show, I think his target audience was the Raw and SmackDown audience. And the thing about it is, the reason I thought the show was a failure 
is the people who watch Raw and SmackDown, the last thing they wanted or needed was a sixth hour of the same shit that was specifically on the network. And I think that with, 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 you know, with, with a, a batch of people who were brand new to the company that, that, mm-hmm. you know, didn't have any stock behind them with those sorts of fan. So they didn't watch. So the only people that were watching this show were hardcore fans who wanted it to be something else because the fans that Vince was chasing had no time for another show. So they weren't watching it. And, and so we were all watching it. And when I say we, the type of people who would listen to this podcast and me and you, and we were hate watching it because we, we knew it was capable of being so much better because of the cruiserweight classic. I don't think your average raw viewer watched a second of the cruiserweight classic, you know? And, and I think 205 Live was just supposed to be, you know, this sub-brand of the same old shit uh, that they did on the main roster. And it, it failed. It failed miserably and fell on its face. Uh, that does reach a saturation point where you can only give people – look, it, it's, it's diminishing returns. Less people watch SmackDown than watch Raw and less people are going to watch something on the network that's built in the same ilk than watch SmackDown. You know, and less people are going to turn on Facebook Live to watch Mixed Match Challenge. I mean it's just going to cycle downward. So, you know – uh, you know, you, you put Triple H in control of the show, and now we're going to see because, listen, I've always said, Rich, Rich, I've always said this company is so big, so vast, and has so many people under contract that there is no reason that they can't give the hardcore wrestling nerd, the Voices of Wrestling listener type fan, they they can give that kind of fan. They can throw them a bone and give them an hour a week That's that's specifically catered to them because they're big enough to be able to do that, and now they're doing it. And now what we're going to find out is now that they're giving an hour a week to us, the wrestling nerd who wants to see good matches and doesn't need crazy storylines surrounding them. The only stories that we need are Roderick Strong thinks he's better than Kenta and Kenta thinks he's better than Roderick Strong. And let's see what happens. Okay. And, and, and personality profiles and those sorts of things. Now we'll see how many of us there are. Because if this show consistently, you know, starts popping in the top ten on the network and 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 gets some buzz and better reactions when the people show up on Raw and better reactions, um, you know, for the two or five last shows themselves, which I think we're starting to see, and we'll get into that in a minute, then it'll prove that we were right all along that it was worthwhile to try that instead of doing the same old shit and just doing little guy raw. Which yeah, and stylistically, I mean, aside from the stories and how people are being built up and the characters and, and, and you know, real-life personas kind of coming to the forefront, which is incredible, and it, it's exactly what we thought would, you know, sort of happen once we, we, we heard that Triple H was taken over, or it sort of reaffirmed what we were thinking. We are like, oh, wait a minute, 205 Live's starting to kind of feel a lot like, you know, NXT in some ways, mostly for the good, and, and, and you know, then we come to find out Triple H you know, has got his fingerprints on it, which is absolutely what he's going to do, and that's why I'm pretty confident um, in whatever, be, whatever happens when, if and when he does take over is that, you know, seeing what he does in NXT, and I, I don't know if it's transferable to a three-hour Raw or whatever, but the character development already in those first two weeks of 205 Live that we've seen, and, and particularly last week, I thought was just awesome. Like, everybody felt more organic. Everybody felt like real human beings. And you said the stories were Roger Strong thinks he's better than Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami thinks he's better than Roger Strong. The, you know, uh, Lince Dorado and Kalisto, they're friends, but hey, look, the title's on the line. You know, let's see who's better. And they just go out there and, and have a match to try to figure out who's better. It wasn't a love triangle. There wasn't Rich Swan is 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 smitten with someone and Cedric Alexander's got to take, you know, it wasn't any of that shit. There wasn't clowns. There wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't any of that shit. And the style too, and that's really what I want to get to is the wrestling style, the in-ring style. One of the big issues with 205 Live from the minute we saw it was 
why are these guys working like fucking, you know, they're working like gigantic and, and gigantic men and they're, they're doing rest holds and they're doing commercial break rest holds and they're, they're, they're not given a, a platform to really work a high flying style or whatever. And that was always an issue, especially when you watch raw and you watch SmackDown and you watch the pay-per-views and like, well, hell Seth Rollins is doing way more incredible stuff. Kevin Owens is doing way more incredible stuff. Sami Zayn is doing incredible stuff. It just, was doing incredible stuff. If you want to have these guys stand out in any way, the way to do it wasn't to have them work like a very slow, methodical, grounded, you know, wrestling style. But that's exactly what they did. They had these guys that were awesome high flyers and, and could do incredible stuff. And, and people told us, well, you know, guys on the main roster are doing incredible stuff or whatever. Bullshit. Watch, watch last week's 205 Live. The things that Lince Dorado and Kalisto were doing are leaps and bounds better than what, what your, your run-of-the-mill Seth Rollins and all that sort of stuff is doing. Yes, there was like the botch. There was little things here and there. But those guys are still incredible. There's a reason it's, why it's not, a ricochet stood out on the indies. When it's, not about the, it's not just about the moves, though. It's about the style of the work and the style of the matches. The last, yeah, exactly. Right. The last two weeks on 205 Live, they're going out there and having the Cruiserweight classic-style matches, which are which, let's face it, they're indie-style matches. They're indie style main events is what they're going out there and doing. Um, you know, you right, know, it's like, not about throwing in a tope every five minutes or whatever, or right. doing, you know, I mean that that's one thing, but it's like, yeah, working a frenetic fast paced style or whatever, which is what we've always thought. Well, why the hell aren't they doing this with this roster or whatever? Well, now they're doing it and you're seeing the results right there. You saw some great matches, you know, last, the last two weeks have been incredible matches and, and really the Hideo atomic, uh, uh, um, Roger strong one wasn't, that you know, everybody kind of has this idea of what they think the indie style is going to be, and what's and it's high flyer. That wasn't a high flyers match. That was kind of a rough and tumble. And it was and it was methodical too. Yeah, and, right. Which, see, which, so, and you can do methodical and make it good. They just got to yeah. lay it in a little bit more. They have to. Roger Strong's got to be Roger. He can't be guy that holds a side headlock for five minutes while they go to commercial he, he, and it comes back. Were, but, yeah, you can't be Roderick Strong trying to work WWE house style. He was just Roderick Strong working Roderick Strong yeah, style. throwing backbreakers and Kenta's throwing. I mean, Kenta's still kind of got to, you know, he's it's still. The stru- it's the structures of the match. Right, I was right. watching that Roderick Strong Hideo Itami match, and I was thinking to myself, this feels like they're having a match in Ring of Honor in 2007, mm-hmm. is what it felt like to me. As opposed to these cruiser- these 205 live matches, I've never felt that way once they started the TV show. I felt like I was watching a junior version of Raw at all times. And, um, you know, it, it was it, it was so refreshing. And then, you know, the other match, and they've only had two matches on each show, which is fine because the matches have time to breathe, okay? And the Lince Dorada-Callisto uh, match was completely different. They were going out there, and, and they had, you know, a, a, I w- what I would like to call a United States indie-style lucha match. Do you know what I mean by that? They're not doing traditional lucha, but they're Right, it's like what, what I would see if I'm going to watch Phoenix versus whoever. You know what I mean? Like yes. Phoenix versus Pentagon. You know, not, not even that. Like not Phoenix necessarily versus, Pentagon, but yeah. Yeah, you not get, Pentagon. The, the, the Phoenix versus whoever. Add in, you know, whatever. I've seen Phoenix a bunch, a bunch of guys, but I'm kind of... Oh, uh, well, Callisto when he was an indie guy. You yeah, know, seriously, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like, it's like and, and those two matches were very different, and they were very different from anything that we saw on 205 Live previous, and they very closely mirrored what we saw on the Cruiserweight Classic the week before as well. I mean, that Tyler Bate-TJ Perkins match. I mean, TJ Perkins has just been on fire on this show. And, and, look, and look how much more interesting TJ Perkins is now. He's just like this bitter asshole who thinks he's better than he is. And uh, he's just a di- instead of this hey dude video so game guy. So guess what? TJ or, Perkins is real life. 
which is what you know, yeah yeah, yeah. Better, I mean, that's what the, the original the thinks he's better than he is cocky guy is, is kind yeah. of tj Perkins. It's, like it's that's turned up to 11 yeah right and that's that's what it is and that's the entire name of the game and that's why he's so good at that one he's got to be in a funny guy you know what i mean like not really necessarily a what they had him doing before where he was kind of a sideshow clown or whatever but a guy that's you know willing to joke around or whatever kind of you know just just kind of walks around and and, and kind of says jokes to himself and kind of laughs and, and that's fine you can do that especially when the in-ring matches up roderick strong they played the personality piece where he's like Hey, I came from a rough childhood, and wrestling's my outlet. Boom, the end. Okay, there you yeah. go. Like you and, made me care you about know what that. I thought was interesting, and you know what was interesting about that match is when it started, the crowd wasn't really into it because they didn't know who Strong was, and they worked this methodical match, which was probably the wrong style of match to work in front of a tired crowd who didn't know who one of the guys were. But by the end of that match, they're chanting, "This is awesome." Mm-hmm. You know, it reminded me of the Cedric Alexander Mustafa Ali match a couple weeks ago during the Limbo Week when they let those two guys just go out and have a match and the 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 crowd and that tired ass crowd was going bonkers by the end of that match it just goes this is what i'm saying you're starting to see these smackdown these tired smackdown crowds react to good action these guys are winning them over in the ring you know so that's why i say wait a couple weeks you know i love what they're doing with cedric alexander and mustafa ali they're just buds you know, and you know one's gonna turn on the other at some point because that's pro wrestling. Yeah, like Cedric got a little annoyed. Like Mustafa like butted in and he was like, ah oh, man, yeah, you know what I mean? Just like a little annoyed, not like you know, yeah. I don't have to run you over my car or whatever, but it's like, ah oh, dude, like just chill a little, you know. It's but there's no but see, but there's no subtlety hammer to it. Right. It's just their buds, and you know it's coming because intellectually you've watched wrestling for a million years, but they're not hitting you over the head with it. You know, they're not making one guy so obnoxious that you know it's coming. You know, and if Vince was still running things, you know that's the direction it would be. And you would just be rolling your eyes because it's for the lowest common denominator. Vince is wrestling. I mean, he has to hit you over the head with things. So, I mean, the show has just been such a drastic improvement. The matches are starting to win over the crowd. You're starting to see people like Roderick Strong and Tyler Bate getting mixed in. And we've been... We've been uh, so had some other names hinted at us that we're not going to spoil for people that are going to round out the tournament. I think people are going to be very pleased, um, you know. So uh, you know, it, it's not that. That's the other thing with the old two hundred five live. It was the same fucking twelve guys every week, and it's like that. And gets not old. the best guys on the roster either. Like you no. know, Brian Kendrick, whatever. Which and Kendrick's fine. Like you can utilize Kendrick. We saw in the Cruiserweight Classic, you can utilize him in a good way. But whatever they did and having him be the featured guy and the guy right off the bat that was – and we that knew – and the second you saw Brian Kendrick as the featured guy, you knew this is Vince thing. He knows, who, yep. he knows who Kendrick is, so he's obviously going to prefer him over any of these other geeks that he has no idea who they are. And that you knew that the second Brian Kendrick was in front, front and center, that it was going to be a disaster. And it was a disaster from day one. People try to convince themselves. Oh, this week was good. Or, oh, hey, you know, 255 was awesome this week. Maybe it'll be good next week. And it never was. <laughs> you know it what I mean? Worse. Like, people really people really wanted to like it. They really did. I, I, people gave it a lot of patience. And there'd be those weeks where, oh, no, Rich, you got to watch this week. And it was like, I have no investment in the characters. I have no investment yeah, in the development. Even if it was a good week, why, why bother? You know what I mean? Why even bother watching the week if there's nothing to be invested in? I cannot wait for next week's show because I want to see how the tournament goes. And and tournaments are a great way to do it as well. And that's something that, that you know, they sort of let their guard down a little bit, WWE, because for so long, they never did the tournaments. They ever, Vince hated them for whatever reason. They're starting to let their guard down a little bit. What we're seeing, though, is that Triple H loves them. And he does. He there's loves a reason them. why, because they're great stories. They're yes. super easy. Lindsay Dorado and 
hopefully still are friends. They happen to be in a tournament. Well, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, well, bygones be bygones. You know, guys want to win, and it always gives everybody a motivation. I want to get to that next step, which is the next round of the tournament. I want to get that title. It's always there's always an eye on the prize. There's always you got, something. You got TJP saying, "I won the first one. I'm winning this one." And he's right. so, and he's so desperate. He holds the tights to beat Tyler Bate. You know, and right. it, it's that character over, and and yeah, it, it's such an easy storytelling device because you you don't have to reinvent. Brian Kendrick, this is my life. If I lose this tournament, I might never wrestle again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to win this tournament for my well, you know, for and, and my how, career. How much better was that than <laughs> the two five live and he's dressing up like a clown? Right, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's goofy shit. Now, things I hope to see and think we'll see. I want Jack Gallagher out of the street clothes. I don't want him out of the fucking street clothes and wrestling in fucking dress shoes. I just utterly ridiculous. Uh, I think we're going to see less of Aria Davari. Uh, you know, uh, rich guy Aria Davari, which wasn't working. Um, I assure you, he that. is not one of my guys. He has me blocked from uh, for talking shit about him. Did, did, remember, oh, and he has re- money. Okay. Do you remember at one point? There was Aria Davari had wrestled more television matches than <laughs> we anybody did. else. We did a bit about a year or not even maybe not a year ago, obviously, because the show, but yeah, maybe six mo- months into it or whatever. Yeah, we, we and did a he uh, had wrestled more television matches than anyone else in the cruiserweight division. Ari the worst guy, literally the worst guy. You know, because Vince and his fascination with pushing here's the thing about pushing. Well, no I think the other thing too is he knew who he was because he knew his his brother. Maybe he thought he was his brother. You know what? It's probably a good chance that he did. Yes. But th- th- this thing, it's like, it, and and all the reports. I mean, Vince was just he was more concerned with with getting character out of uh, characters out of these guys, but he was approaching it in a 1980s way. And you you don't need you can get look Roderick Strong's character is so much better when it's just the guy who came from a bad background than whatever goofy gimmick Vince was going to slap on. Yeah, it's Jay Perkins. I'm no, a no, cocky. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a cocky person now. versus I play video games dude like bart simpson circa 1989 was his original character as opposed to i'm just a cocky guy and i want to win like that i thought they were going to change his name to max health (laughs) they should have just changed his name to max health just fucking max health up on the thing when he comes out i mean it's just you know i I can't imagine vince pitching that it's like i nintendo and (laughs) the mario does he even know what mario is i'd be honest i honestly don't know i know he knows what nintendo is and he calls Vince absolutely 100% calls all video games Nintendo, right? Uh, yeah, no, without question. <laughs> like he thinks every video game is Nintendo. Um, I, I wonder if he would know who Mario was. I, he's got to know who Mario is. I don't think he knows who fucking Crash Bandicoot is. but No, knows. no. Okay, so you think like, yeah, at least he knows who, who, who Mario is. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't think he, he probably doesn't know what Grand Theft Auto is, uh, but I think he knows what Mario I think Mario is so ingrained in culture that even Vince can't hide from him. <laughs> I mean... But but here's but I want to get to a broader point about Vince. This is another glaring example of Vince McMahon being the most overrated star creator in the history of pro wrestling. He has this reputation of being this great star creator, uh, this this brilliant wrestling mind who gets people over. And 205 Live collectively, not any individual guy per se, but the wrestlers on 205 Live collectively, he got them less over than they were ever over before, with the benefits. Of the WWE marketing machine. So this is another glaring example of Vince McMahon failing to create to not only create stars, but making people less of a star than they were before. He is so overrated in that regard. And I don't care who argues with me. I'll debate anyone. Okay? This is a guy who's a tremendous businessman. Who made tremendous business decisions to get where he is? I'll never take that away from him. Ballsy business. I think more than ballsy anything, yeah, that you can really credit him for 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 
taking a risk and going against the grain in some respects. Fortune favors the bold is the right. perfect way to he, – he took enormous risks. They worked out and good on him because that, that is a tremendous uh, uh, personality trait of his. I legitimately think – and I'm not saying this – this is not hyper – I legitimately think he is a lousy professional wrestling booker slash promoter and, and star creator. I think he sucks. I think he sucks. I think he lucked in. He, okay. He made a great business deal to secure the services of a guy who was already the biggest star in the world in Hulk Hogan. Right. Already, yeah, Hulk Hogan. already, already Hulk movie Hogan star. Yeah, already was already star. the biggest star in pro wrestling before. No, uh, the narrative Vince says that he, he pinned Iron Sheik and became a star, Joe. So you're and wrong. So he made, the, he made a good business deal to get Hulk Hogan. He lucked into Stone Cold Steve Austin because Stone oh, Cold Chili McFreeze would have been just as over as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ringmaster was a fucking bomb. Stone Cold Steve Austin got himself over, and then Vince sat on him for nine months. No, he won the King of the Ring and then won the title like immediately after. He didn't work the the, the pre show the next month at SummerSlam. What are you talking losing, about, Joe? Losing, to, losing a few to Savio Vega. No, none of that happened. <laughs> that never so happened. He he lucked. He into wins King of the Ring, pins Shawn Michaels, Mike Tyson, star. I don't know what you're talking Stone about. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He made him. It made himself a star in that company, and Vince still almost whiffed on it. He lucked into Stone Cold Steve Austin. He nearly blew The Rock. How do you almost blow The Rock, which was the biggest layup in wrestling history? How do you blow that one? He almost blew it with, with the fucking smiling babyface bullshit. That was Vince's vision of The Rock. Vince's vision of Dwayne Johnson, the biggest movie star in the world, and a guy who everyone in wrestling said was a lock to be a megastar. Right, Jerry Lawler, Pat Patterson, anybody everyone, who had eyes on him. So anyone this guy, in the yeah. wrestling business who saw him said he's a lock, and Vince almost blew it with The Rock. Ah, Blue Chipper, what are you talking about? He almost blew it with Ricky the Rock. Rocky Are you kidding now? He is the most overrated star creator in history. John Cena. Seconds away was, from firing John Cena. Yeah. He was going to cut John Cena until, as legend has it, Bruce Pritchard and Stephanie McMahon heard him rapping on a bus. And then they pitched it to Vince and it saved his job. And then he lucked into the rest. He was going to cut him. Okay? I don't want to hear a word about Vince McMahon's star creator. He's oh, the Daniel Bryan story, man. though. Are you talking about the Daniel Bryan story? Was awesome. The fans started being invested in Daniel Bryan, and then they had him win the title at WrestleMania. It was great. There was no Wyatt family bullshit. Not, none of that stuff. It was just like you guys want him. You guys are buying his merch or whatever. Let's let's do it. Daniel Bryan is going to win the title at WrestleMania, Joe. It worked perfect. Yeah, yeah that's another one that he almost except for the, the year and a half where he fucked around everybody. <laughs> Had Daniel Bryan okay. lose four pay-per-view main events in a row. Had him join the Wyatt family. Had every. It, it took the fans absolutely just laying a gigantic, sh- you know, a steaming pile of shit on Batista at the Royal Rumble and CM Punk walking out until he said, "Ah, fine, Daniel Bryan in the main event." Like, how you know? much money did he leave on the table with Daniel Bryan? I mean, honestly, there was a year and a half. I mean, where how he much just money dick that guy around? And, and how much yeah. money did he leave on the table with Daniel Bryan? But the four biggest stars he ever had, one, he just made the best business deal to secure when he was already the biggest star in the world. Two others he literally lucked into. And the other, he almost blew a layup. He almost missed a fucking layup. <laughs> so you, this guy is the most overrated star creator I ever heard of. Now he's got something. Look, The Undertaker. I'll give him credit for The Undertaker. Okay? I'll give him credit for Batista to some degree. Okay, but the four yeah, biggest stars he ever had, Ramon, those sort of guys, and, and those yeah, guys but are those are like helping helping up look, a lot more. Yeah. Look, look, if Razor Ramon never existed, does is there any butterfly effect grand change in where the company is today? Of course not. Okay, here's the four guys who matter: yeah, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and John Cena. 
And I just broke down how he nearly fucking you know, blew it with all of them. If Vern Gagne decides to make a better deal to keep Hulk Hogan, Vince, Mc- you don't even know who Vince McMahon is if you're listening. We are not even doing this show. Give me a break with this with this brilliant wrestling mind. He's not. He's a good businessman. Yeah, he's well, a, really, I mean, you want to go back I, to I mean, any wrestling mind. I mean, we can we can do this for a whole show. This might have to be a Patreon one <laughs> one of these days too. But I mean, really, look at, at at people that know the history of you know you know the Black Saturday or whatever. I mean, that was less business mind and more or less wrestling mind and more business mind and that ended up being a huge deal because you know he swipes the, the time slot gets money when you know they eventually they buy back in or whatever and then use that money to kind of use wrestlemania or whatever and that has nothing to do with his booking of pro wrestling that's just smart business like we said balls the guy's got ball literally grapefruits or whatever the hell he says like he's got those and he's definitely taken n- number of risks throughout the days but that's a different story you're not saying that he's not a bad a good businessman he absolutely is a good businessman but he's a terrible. I mean, yeah, when you look I'm at the track saying, record, saying, in, the wrestling is not great. That's he's a it. much better businessman than any of your run-of-the-mill, you know, territory promoters or sure. whatever, because he has the balls he made the moves that to they shake did. it up. Yeah, yes. he yeah. had the balls to say, oh, fuck it. I don't care if I have to run in Kentucky. I don't give a shit. I'm running in and Kentucky. Fuck off. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm doing whatever he, I want to do. He, and he shut down Crockett at every turn, yeah. uh, you know, threatening not to give pay-per-views, not to give WrestleMania to the pay-per-view providers if they didn't, you know, run SummerSlam instead of Crockett. Survivor and those Series, things, yeah, Survivor Series, yeah. Survivor Series, yeah. Those things were all brilliant. Look, he's a brilliant businessman. He's aggressive, and he made all the right moves, and I give him a, a ton of – and now listen. Now, now, I could even tell you that he had a leg up since his father and his grandfather got him started. Okay, we're not talking about a guy who built it from the fucking ground up either. I, yeah, it's, I always have to. It's funny because when you talk to like people, are like, "Oh, Vince McMahon took wrestling from nothing." I'm like, "Well, his, his, his dad." <laughs> he kind of you know. had a nice little head start there. Okay, right. all right. So let's not pretend that him and Linda were fucking living in a hut and fucking did this from the ground up either. But I'll go a step further. I don't even think he's a good promoter. And you know why I don't even think he's a good promoter? Which people are probably going, "No, I don't even think he's a good promoter." I think he's a lousy promoter. He failed at bodybuilding. He failed at bodybuilding supplements. He failed at boxing with the Sugar Ray Leonard, Donnie Lalonde fight. He failed at football, and he's about to fail at football twice. Okay, I don't think he's a great promoter. I think he's a guy who was a great businessman, a savvy businessman, an aggressive businessman who lucked in to the four biggest stars in wrestling and didn't even create them himself. That's what he is. I don't even think he's a great promoter. He's never been successful at anything else, ever. He's, in fact, he's nothing but he's done nothing but fall on his face with everything else. So, you know, so sorry. And, and, and again, you know, the, the 205 Live thing might seem like small potatoes, but look at it. Even look at concepts and wrestlers that he got his hands on that were successful and made money before he got their hands on them that he made less popular and made less money with. WCW, ECW, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, the Road Warriors. I can go on and on all day. He made all of these things and people less popular and made less money with them than other promoters did. And I'm supposed to think this guy is the greatest mind in the history of professional wrestling? He's not. He's not. His ideas are bad. Most of his ideas are bad. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's never had good ideas. He's never had good concepts. WrestleMania was a great idea. The Undertaker is obviously the, the most successful gimmick in the history of wrestling, you could argue. I mean, you know, it, it, it's just still drawing money today. But this guy has failed and fallen on his face so many times, has so many poor ideas, and has, and has made less money with things that were layups. The NWO. How do you fuck that up? How do you fuck up ECW nostalgia and sit on it for a year after the money that that show drew and the money that, that those DVDs were drawing? And he sat on it for a year and, 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 and made no money on it. I mean, how do you do that? How do you not make yeah. money with WCW? <laughs> how, do you, how do you book the invasion? Yeah, how do you book the invasion and have Stephanie and Shane? <laughs> be, how, do you know, you the, the blow, 
How do you blow the easiest wrestling storyline in the history of professional wrestling and pop one pay-per-view rating with it? Yeah. One. How? How do you do that? By being a shit promoter. That's how. By being an extremely overrated wrestling mind. That's how. The guy's overrated, Rich. And, and with 205 Live, is another. it's a small example, but it's another example of taking things that and making them less popular than they were before. Okay, you give you know you give a decent indie promoter that roster, that roster, and see what they can draw with them. Okay, he made them less popular by giving them his characters, by getting the character out of them, and he made them less popular, less marketable. They got worse crowd reactions as we went along. It's you know the guy's overrated. He's overrated. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of people calling him this great wrestling mind and this, this star creator and this brilliant promoter. He's not. He's an aggressive businessman. And I'll give him credit for that all day long. But he's not good at this. If you really look at the facts, he's just not. Uh, real quick, here's what was in the Observer about the 205 Live, just because I think it's pretty interesting to talk about um, kind of as we wrap up. Uh, as I know before, the idea of a 205 Live GM uh, who would be portrayed not as a gimmick, but as a guy with credibility who's uh, who in storyline, uh, who would be there only to give the people the best match quality possible and make fair decisions was a Levesque idea or a Paul Levesque idea that dates back several months. So Triple H had that idea months ago to, to, to kind of have this GM that was a straight and arrow guy to kind of get things, you know, under control or whatever. And now we saw, you know, he obviously did that very quickly. Uh, Vincent had that mentality for the show and felt the problem was not enough personality development and storyline. And that came before having great matches between the last two weeks, the Dan and Brian speech last week and the Drake Maverick speech this week. It's clear that the company is looking now at ditching the comedy and the skits and trying to go back to the cruiserweight classic type presentation so here's just kind of a nice wrap-up so if you haven't seen it that's exactly the wrap no comedy no skits no bullshit every promo they did was cool too i i I love it so much the promos weren't the we're backstage we don't think the camera's there it was roger sean talking into a camera as they show clips of his childhood or whatever uh akira tozawa on his phone doing kind of the selfie promos or whatever which i you know whatever like some people don't like those i don't mind them because again it's not that weird contrived thing it's like you, you, it's just a guy sending in a, a video of him thinking about the next match or whatever you know what i mean like that's fine like i don't mind those at all that's way better than the we're in a locker room and we don't know this camera's here as we discuss you know our, our secret top secret plans in front of a locker or whatever or the you know drone asking terrible questions and we answer them in terrible ways and then she stares off uh, to the screen for 15 seconds while we we fade to black or whatever. I, I'll, I'll take a selfie promo over that, regardless of how it looks or whatever. But then you had, you know, Kalisto cutting a promo in the car or whatever. Akira Tozawa on his, you know, his, his selfie. And then TJ Perkins looking in the camera. It was no skits. None of, it was all organic things of guys just, you know, talking to the audience or talking to, to, to whoever. And it was not this dumb skits thing or whatever. So we already saw that in, in, in two weeks, we saw a complete overhaul of how any backstage segment was, was ran no comedy. Everybody was just straight and narrow of, of, of here's what we are. You know, here's what I do. Here's my motivation. Here's why I want to win. Boom. And match done. And that's all it is. It's all it has to be. It's not hard. Yeah. And, uh, I just thought of this one too. Vince McMahon can thank Dana White for Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock Lesnar was he a bigger was he a bigger star in his first run or his second run? Right. And why was he a bigger star in his second run? Because Dana White got him over. And when Brock Lesnar came back for the second run, he was being Brock UFC Brock Lesnar. He was following the template 
he was, you know, that, that got him over in UFC with a little pro wrestling sprinkled in. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, here comes the pain. Brock Lesnar was not nearly the star that the, the, you know, modern that UFC Brock, the, the, the one that they, you know, Dana White got Brock Lesnar. It is another example. It's like, you know, Dana White's 10 times the promoter Vince McMahon is and star creator and all those sorts of things. You know, it's, it's, it's even, he even got, he even got assisted on fucking Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. Someone else got Brock Lesnar over for him. And then all he did was swoop in and make the business. Well, and, and that Brock Lesnar thing was already, I don't know if people are aware of that, but when it, when it was, you know, as it, the final few months of the Brock Lesnar thing, it was kind of already getting pretty terrible. Like he was doing like, you know, uh, I, I remember in the few with Eddie Guerrero, he was like dancing around and with maracas and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was already kind of the aura that Brock had when he came in was already starting to wear off a little bit. Yeah. And, and I mean, Brock was already on the wall too. And that's why he bounced. Cause he was like, oh, but, yeah, you know, Brock, Brock was a star on his first run, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't hit that next level until someone else got him over. You know, it's Vince is overrated. Well, you know what? Look, Vince hit Goldberg is to it. I mean, there's no doubt. And we talk about Brock Lesnar and, and, and his final match. I mean, there's no doubt he hit a home run when Goldberg came in that first time. And Goldberg, one of the biggest stars in in, in pro wrestling. There's another example. Another you know, he example. walked into WWE and was immediately over. He came in. I don't know if you remember the first segment. He comes in. He fucking spears Booker T. Spears Gold Dust. He's just spearing guys left and right, just killing guys. And was over until he finally left. I mean, it was incredible what they did with Goldberg when he first came in. It's it, it's. Yeah. Oh, he wore a wig. Never yeah. mind. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I think oh, you're sorry, Ron, Ron, that's not Goldberg. No, but, but Goldberg is another example of WCW, ECW, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Road Warriors, uh, you name it, where someone who made way more money for somebody else and Vince made them less popular and made less money with them. Right. And ultimately, their run was a failure. But it's Goldberg's fault. Right. You brought up Ric Flair not that long ago, where a guy who in a year and a half, Vince was already like, I don't know, what do I do with this Ric Flair guy? <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. He's not yeah, drawing, yeah. and I don't know what to do. It's like, well, every do other promoter on what? Earth, every other promoter on Earth found a way to fucking milk every dime out of Ric Flair, but Vince McMahon. <laughs> a year and a half, he was like, ah, nah, I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. I'm out, yeah, I'm out I mean, of ideas. Go yeah, back to WCW, pal. I got nothing for you. So, it, like, it, it's amazing. He makes things less popular. He makes things less popular. How many other John Cena's have slipped through his fingertips? Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, look how close John Cena was. Could you imagine what would this, the state of this company if John Cena had – if he hadn't <laughs> lucked into John Cena? And, and how many others have slipped through his fingers? How many other people has he just fucking destroyed all of their potential star power with his dumb character bullshit that doesn't work? That works once every hundred times. He's bad at this. The reason for this company's success is not because he's a great wrestling mind. It's his business acumen. Mm -hmm. So fucking stop saying it. Because it's false. It's demonstrably false. It's just false. And there's millions of... There's tons of other examples of things he made less popular. We just named some of them. I, I forgot about Goldberg. Yeah, that's no, another that's patently obvious one. That's a disaster. Because what, what he had to... Subtly change his music. He had to subtly change the, the gear that he wore to the ring. He had to put him in backstage. No, no, he didn't understand Goldberg. The easiest to understand thing yeah. possible. He just beats people up. Pal. Well, I beat people up and I win a lot. All right. Mm. Well, I don't know what we're going to be able to do with that, but we'll try. We'll, we'll put you in a wig and. So yeah, I mean, two hundred five live is just yeah. Well, it's it's been much better, and yeah, I, I I can't wait to see what's next for it. But yeah, I think uh, all things are going going well with two hundred five live there. So they did say I did see um, that they canceled uh, for right now. They canceled the two hundred five live the spring 
thing, it was technically isn't canceled. So because they they didn't announce it, they said we were going to run a tour in the spring. They never announced dates. They never said we we're going to do this. They've canceled that now. I you know the the idea per day the wrestling observer. Yeah, <laughs> per per Dave, that the idea of them running shows isn't you know running house shows or whatever or live events or whatever isn't dead, but that the spring is not a good time to do it. So we'll see. No. Maybe we'll build up and it'll come back. One question I have this for you before time. we before we end it with the two hundred five live thing, and we've seen a lot of people talk about this. Everyone's saying, okay, this is good. This is good. Everything's going well. Next steps. Okay, what else can we do to make this good? We had an article on the website that said, you know, a trios championship or, or, or more, you know, six-man matches might be a good idea. What do you think, though, and this is what a lot of people brought up as well, moving it away from whatever they're doing with the taping schedule now, whether it be before SmackDown, after SmackDown, after a TV taping, and putting it in a neutral spot, putting it at, at, at full sale, putting it look, at center stage when NXT is running. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on doing that? Look, the taping schedule, we all know it's bad. You're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle with the tired crowds. You're always going to be fighting an uphill battle with the tired crowds. Uh, it would be better if they can tape it somewhere else. Full sale would obviously be optimum. I mean, that would be perfect. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't, but here, the other, the thing I'm more concerned with than that is presumably these guys are still going to be on raw, right? It's still a raw sub brand. I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose. So, so yeah, how are they going to be presented under Vince's, you know, um, authority on raw i mean is he still going to so i mean is is triple h going to produce those segments i mean that's kind of the weird thing because raw is vince's baby we all know that um he you know he's going to be have his iron fist around that show until he dies i think we all accept that um is he going to relinquish 20 minutes of his show every week for a 20 minute wrestling match i can't see it so I think they either are going to remove the 205 live guys from Raw entirely, or you're still going to see you're going to see like two different versions of two. You're going to see them doing goofy, right? Which is going to be really weird. Yeah, you're going to have Roderick Strong, you know what? what you know, and I'm just throwing a name out. I mean, I don't know if he's he's a Raw, whatever, but like you know, he's going to be doing this character here, or uh, TJ Perkins is a great example. He's going to be doing this character here, and then he's going to go to Raw and do video game. Well, Nintendo not even see. Simpsons, I don't like, necessarily think like completely different gimmicks, but in terms of. Do you think Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander are going to get a three-segment, 20-minute match on Raw? There's not a fucking chance in hell. But if that's what two – see, so what do you – so when they go to Raw, are they going to be five-minute matches finishing with roll-ups? I mean, are they going to be – you know, it, it's weird to me because you can't do what they're doing on 205 Live now on Raw. I don't see Vince allowing that. I, I mean, like I said, they're having two matches a week, and they're both 20 minutes long or 15 minutes long. You're not getting that on Raw. You know, unless they're going to be uh, storyline heavy the way he likes it. You know, I mean, so I, I, I'm interested to see how they handle 205 Live on Raw moving forward. Look, I said from day one, and I know I'm not unique in this opinion, I think it should be a SmackDown brand thing because, number one, you're taping it that night anyway. And number two, it can yeah, it never Smack- made sense. The Raw thing never made never sense. Never made sense. From and day it can one. Be, and, it can, and it can make, and it can help SmackDown feel different. Because you're having wrestling. Remember when SmackDown first started, restarted, there was it was a wrestling show, you know, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. And, and, oh, Road Dog has done a number on that. So he has. But I mean, it, it should be a it should be a SmackDown sub brand, and Raw is you know the fucking sports entertainment show, and that's fine. Look, I'm a big fan of all of their shows being different, and I don't mind a sports entertainment show. If I don't like it, I don't have to watch it, you know. But it's like. It, 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 205 Live just doesn't feel like a fit on Raw anymore with this style. 
you know, it feels more like, you know, so at minimum, I think they should move it. And especially with Daniel Bryan sort of making all these announcements, just move the shit over the SmackDown. Yeah, I forget at times that it is raw. You know what I mean? Because it so feels like a SmackDown property from from yeah. the style it's worked, the, the the characters involved, the people involved, obviously where it's being. So I, yeah, it's always been perplexing why it's on Raw. But and why know. are you dragging those guys to both tapings every week? It's not. It's it's hard on the It's hard on them. Those guys have um, gotten and, a horrible deal, and and we're starting to see it more and more and more as it comes around. And as, as Austin Aries now is kind of a reemerging and and talking about his experience there, and, and if and when Neville comes back or doesn't come back, and can talk about his experience. Those guys have gotten a real raw deal, and I. I know a lot of people don't really sympathize all that much with wrestlers and and times but those guys have gotten a shit deal when you really look at, at, at what they've been asked to do what they've been asked to where they've been asked to travel you know what predicament they've been put in they've been put in a real real shitty spot every single one of those guys on 205 they, live they have shitty contracts um none of them get to work house shows unless you're the champion or the challenger mm-hmm. um you can count on one hand the guys that are left on the brand that got to work house shows uh tozawa Rich Swan, if you want to count him, since I presume he's coming back, since the charges were pretty much cleared. Um, you know, uh, who else did Neville work programs with? That's it, because he, his next program was with Enzo, and that's, you know, he's gone. Neville's gone. Austin Aries is gone. So, I mean, you look at it, and the only guys currently on the, the only guy currently on the brand who got to work the road extensively was Tazawa, if you don't want to count Swan. I mean, unless I'm forgetting someone. So, I mean, you know, you, you look at that. So, yeah, that's why I thought a trios title would be a good idea uh, because I think, first of all, the style lends itself to trios matches, right? And it would also make the brand feel different because it would be the only brand with a trios title. And a good point that Cubs fan made, uh, I saw him make the point first, I've seen others make it since, is then you're getting six guys on the road and giving them a chance to make some money as opposed to just having two guys on the road at a right. time. Mm-hmm. which I thought was a good idea too. But I don't know if you want to have, unless you're going to expand the roster, a singles champion and trios champions. Now you have four champions and 12 guys on the roster. I mean, if you're going to have a 20-man roster, it makes more sense. Uh, but you don't want to have it where it feels like everybody has a title, uh, I guess. But I, I, you know, I don't think the trios title is the worst idea. I do think it would help differentiate things. I would, I would add the trios title personally. I would expand the roster. You got a million guys in NXT that you're never using. This company has over almost 200 wrestlers on the contract. You have the bodies. There's no reason you can't keep it fresh and keep new faces on that show. I would expand the roster. I'd put a trios title on it, and I would move it to SmackDown to kind of answer your question about the taping schedule yeah. and all that. I mean, that's what I would do. You know. Yeah, and that makes the most economical sense too for these guys. Don't have them t- go to both shows. I mean, that's the thing I let. I think a lot of people forget and don't really realize that these guys have to travel to both shows for for like for what reason? Monday I mean, and Tuesday. I, it, and on top of that, yeah, they have, it's, it's ridiculous. A lot of them came in on developmental deals or two hundred five or mm-hmm. fucking two hundred five deals. Um, they they only got from from what I understand partial payment on the video game. The guys that got into the video game, not all of them did. The ones that did are, are not even getting a full share of the video game, which is ridiculous. And then you had Neville and Austin Aries bumped from the WrestleMania DVD which is a big money maker for these guys and the reason that one of the primary reasons that Neville walked you know you know he works hard all year he gets over he gets on the Wrestlemania show or whatever and they bump him from the DVD I mean you really can't find room on the DVD for a 12 minute match I mean how much extraneous bullshit did they have on that DVD where you can't give these guys a oh, last year's Wrestlemania what extraneous bullshit last year's Wrestlemania what are you talking about Joe last year's, it's a tight solid show of all great content so these guys just bullshit on last year's WrestleMania. No, yeah. there's guys like, and you had a lot of guys too, like a Neville or whatever, who who came in under a normal deal and then was sort of shunned over to this two hundred five live thing, which is like, hey, I was making like more money doing this thing. Can I like go back and do this thing? No, 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 you're a two hundred five live guy now. Like, well, no, I don't, 
I don't want to. Like, this is terrible. Yeah, you know, and, and all they do with this thing is all they've done is opened up their fucking cheeks and taken a giant shit on all these guys from day one. And they, it's and they and they've done you know it's been and Vince with his horrible vision, because he's terrible at wrestling, has done nothing to get them over. He's gotten them less over. So that's why these guys keep leaving. Guys like Austin Aries and Neville, who have some professional pride and 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 you know have, have been stars in other places and, and are frustrated because they're fucking walking. And I can't blame them. So this is all positive, and this can only be good. And for all the shit that Triple H takes, yes, we know he has a massive ego. And yes, as a, as a wrestling performer, I could just fucking just... Oh, I yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're, we're night and day with him. Yeah, the second okay. he gets involved in something, it's, it's usually bullshit. Like, when he gets involved in the ring with something, he's got yeah, this oversized... I, you know, I started the... Uh, you know, I won the, uh, the Monday Night Wars attitude about everything, which is just, yeah, you can throw that in the And I've list. never had... Even the one good year... What's the one good year everybody raves about with him? 2004? Uh, 2000. Uh, 2000, I think. 2000. Even to that, I have no use for him. I never liked the fucking guy, and I never will when it comes to, to being a performer. He bores the shit out of me. I assure of you it was not 2004. I assure you it was yeah, not I don't 2004. Know yeah. but, that you know, is if, a horrible Triple H year. You know, but but as a guy running a show here, I, look, he does a nice job. Yeah, exactly. NXT's good. It's because Vince has no fucking hands on it. Vince has no hands on this. It's going to be good. Here's my classic. At minimum, Here's my classic. At minimum we're going to get a show that we all love. At minimum, because Vince isn't involved in it. All right, before we get to our other topics, we're going to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at SeatGeek. And Joe, you know buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or just need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed we have both used the SeatGeek app and it is by far the easiest way to shop for tickets uh, with just a few taps we can instantly find seats like i did for that upcoming bulls mavericks game i talked about you can go watch the new look cavaliers you got the mlb season coming up joe who you are you are you going to are the reds coming to to your neck of the woods at all next year not this year but college oh. basketball gotta get my college basketball oh yeah tickets. yeah, yeah. Always, always go to seat geek my friend Absolutely. They search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek then grades every ticket based on a value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. You look for the little green dots. You go, ah, good deal. Red dots, bad deal. Not touching that. Green dots, nice and easy. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I know this has happened to me before where I bought a ticket, and for some reason it got sort of mixed up. It was for the wrong event. Within minutes, SeatGeek had refunded me and gave me a new ticket, a better ticket, an upgraded ticket. So that was incredible when they did that. That's before they even sponsored us as well. So I've been a SeatGeek user for years and and was so glad when they actually sponsored us as well because I've been a user for for many years. I know you have as well, so it definitely worked out there. Uh, So we want you to make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater and voice wrestling listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase yes that's $20 off Joe just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code VOW today that's promo code VOW for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase just download the app enter promo code VOW 20 bucks off your first purchase can't beat that that could cover a whole ticket yeah, seriously. Yeah, depending on what you're going to see, it, it, it'll, it'll do pretty good. Unfortunately, the Bulls, uh, maybe in a few years, I can I can get some Bulls tickets for 20 bucks or whatever. But uh, definitely baseball season, White Sox, I know uh, 20 bucks can cover uh, plenty of White Sox tickets. So that'll be a, a great deal for those people. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I use SeatGeek a lot in the MLB season as well, because that's it's so good for like you're, you're sort of on the move or whatever. I'm driving home from work or whatever. It's a nice day. 
the nurses off. I'm like, you know, we're going to the damn White Sox game. I want to go outside and, and drink and, and soak into the sun or whatever a little bit. So, yeah, I always uh, I'll pop in the CQ Gap, check out uh, baseball tickets, and, and it works pretty well. It works on the road, too. I've used it in San Francisco. Uh, I plan on using it. I'm going to San Diego in April. I plan on using it for that, too. It's great for on the road, great for that sort of stuff. Promo code VOW, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right. Uh, you want to preview this new beginning show coming up uh, this weekend? I think uh, we would be uh, remiss if we did not, sir. <laughs> there we go. All right. So we'll start off. Uh, we'll go to main event, kind of work our way down uh, with this one. As far, uh, you know, obviously we had the new, the new beginning in, in Sapporo shows. We had the two uh, new beginning in Sapporo shows. This one is just one show in Osaka, kind of loaded up as well when we kind of preview it. You'll, you'll, you'll obviously take notice of that. But there's not two shows you have to watch. All of it is compact into one. And I'm looking forward to the show a lot. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff on the show. Uh, the main event, what's of your, course. What's your big, oh, before you get to the main event, what's your overview thought on the show as a whole? Um, I actually like it. I don't know. It's it's up there as, as far. I, I it, It's hard to say until we see what, what happens all in all. But, like, I'm a guy who loves my singles matches. You know that. I, I love a New Japan singles match. This one's got, what, one, two? It's got six singles matches? Like, how can I not love it? You know, and and, and every five, match yeah, has five something. or six. Yeah, six singles every match, match has something. Every match. I mean, I think there's more singles matches on this. I, 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 is there more singles matches on this than Wrestle Kingdom? Is that possible? If I do the math, yeah, I, I, I have I to think look. There is. Yeah, there's six on this one. And, yeah, it's uh, nuts, but... Uh, there's only three tags, and I think the point you were about to make was um, every match on this show, with the exception of two, are matches that have storyline consequence and mean something. So you're only getting two like throwaway tags that, that New Japan likes to give you. And even one of them, Rich, one of those throwaway tags have Finley and Jay White on opposite sides, and that feud has been outstanding yes so, yeah i didn't even know i you know i didn't even that was one of the matches that i was like ah whatever i forget that yeah you got finley and white there so yeah that's you can even make got. an argument that that's a decent little six man right, tag. Right. i mean the eight man Taguchi japan and that's uh, just there that's guys get on the cards just, but the Rapungi one has ramifications too in terms of uh you know oh yeah it does absolutely yeah i mean the eight man the only thing there is you know togi makabe and minoru suzuki are gonna have their standoff because they're gonna have the match yeah. suzuki's the next challenge makabe's next challenge or whatever <laughs> but yeah i mean you know yeah absolutely that Rapungi 3k match we'll talk about it in a second Kato Bushi, um, i'm salivating for Kato Bushi. they built it up so awesome they built that yeah. match up so well like and and on, and they're singles matches, which you know, because New Japan keeps them rare, you get excited for them, you know. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, what do you want to do? You want to start with, and also I, we should mention quickly, uh, this show sold out a long time ago. So yes. there's really nothing to break down business wise. Uh, it sold out. So, and with a lineup it's like commonplace. this, it's getting boring now to talk New Japan business. Well, yeah, you know, they sold out. Yeah, the Sapporo shows didn't, but. I think that they did better than we thought they were going to do. And, and it turned out that they were a business success. Cause you know, like we talked about doing back to back nights, you, you just sold 10,000 tickets instead of 5,000. Um, but yeah, so they loaded up this one and they sold it out. Um, I, I, I will say that it, look, even though, you know, we're talking, you know, you, okay. You have a Naito singles match, but it is fourth from the top. You do have, uh, you know, a never open weight match in the semi-main event slot, but I still think it's pretty impressive that they're able to sell out with Sonata as a challenger. Um, I don't think Hiroki Goto evil is a huge money match. I don't think Yoshihashi versus Naito is a huge money match. I think Hiromu is very popular and he's challenging for the junior title, but I don't consider that like a huge, these are all good support matches. I will say that, but I don't see a strong secondary drawing match here. Do you? Um, 
yeah, Goto Evil's not quite. We've seen in the history of Goto that Goto's never quite been at that level. So, yeah, I, I guess what you're saying, there isn't really that supporting second draw. It's more of a everybody else kind of collectively being that second draw, if that makes sense. Yeah, in other words, it's more of, okay, this is a really good top-to-bottom show is kind of... Right, yeah, like, no, I know there's not that second great match, but, like, look at these other matches that are pretty fun to watch or whatever. And, I think that's and more and what they're a, Yeah, and Sonata's a first-time challenger and not a super strong... He's the least pushed guy in his group, with the exception of Bushi. It's pretty impressive that this sold out. I mean, I, I don't know. I you know Osaka, nice size building. So you know, from a business perspective, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's still early. We haven't seen any negative effects with the the I guess questionable booking at Wrestle Kingdom because you know people fucking bought this show. So we'll see what happens from there. But um, yeah, I don't know. You want to start from the main event and work our way down? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. So you got the main event, uh, Okada defending his, of course, IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Sonata. So now, Joe, I'm going to ask you percentage chance that Sonata shocks the world and gets the win here. Zero. Okay. You got zero? Yeah, I got zero. I don't I think it, I don't think it quite works either. I know people are trying to, and, and that's fair. Like I like, and that's something that we mentioned about New Japan is that it, it's fun in that sense where you can really try to convince yourself and yeah. and it sort of it, it kind of works, you know what I mean? Like it's it's you know we're we're a month away or a month out from you know Okada really shocking a lot of people and beating Naito or whatever. We're you know a few years out from Okada shocking the world and winning the title. They're they're not you know they're not against doing these sort of shocking things, and it always sort of in business sense might be shocking at the time and then really kind of work out in the long run. And this is one that again you can sort of convince yourself, hey, look, if they wanted to do it again, this is a great opportunity. But I'm with you. I, I just see no, I, I see no chance of doing it. It's just, it, it, it's kind of weird. The optics haven't built up quite yet either. Uh, it's just, it'd be too wonky for it to happen. I mean, am I going to go zero percent? Probably not. But I'd go one percent, as in like I think it has really no chance. But I want to cover my bases a little bit so that if it comes back, I can say, hey, Joe, I told you it wasn't zero percent. You know, but really, it's oh, yeah, cramped, effectively, cramped effectively. I mean, come on, there's no fucking. I mean, it, 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 I'd be stunned if it happened. Here's the thing with Sonata. It's like. You know, I I see him as a guy with, you know, top level star potential. And I always saw him as sort of just laying in the weeds and being the quiet member of LIJ. And, um, you know, they could flip the switch on him, uh, you know, when they feel like going full bore with him. And I always thought the best idea would be to have him turn on Naito or have Naito turn on him uh, to do that. But what I'm seeing with Sonata is maybe he doesn't have personality and maybe that's why they do push him as the quiet member of the group. And if he doesn't have personality and it's not, if it's not that he's holding himself back and it's that he just doesn't have a personality, then he's not going to be a top guy. It doesn't matter how good his look is. It doesn't matter how good his work is. It doesn't matter, um, you know, how much they want. I mean, he, if, you know, he, if he, if he's not showing charisma and I'm not seeing that from him. Um, and believe me, you know, I was all aboard the Sonata is going to be a top guy train right. um, in due time. Just give it time. Give it time. I thought 2019 would be his year where they would really go hard with him. And it still might be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is a huge match for Sonata. I think he needs to have a great performance here. Um, he needs to have one of those performances we talk about where a guy gets over to a new level in defeat. You know? Um, we talk about those all the time. That's what needs to happen here. He he doesn't need to go in there and have a four-star match and lose and oh, Okada moves on. No, this has to be the best performance of his life and he needs to get over on a new level in defeat. If he doesn't get over on another level here, I think that's a bad sign. It doesn't mean he's never going to be a star. 
Um, but it does mean that I think the co- the company may lose a little bit of confidence in that, and fans might lose a little confidence. I, I, I this it, what I'm trying to get out here. This is a big this is a big match for Sonata. This is a big match, and he needs a big performance. So uh, I don't know where you stand on that. I don't know where you stand on everything I just said in terms of I don't know if 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 because uh, I've kind of lost it a little bit with him. Yeah, I, I I lost it as well, but I've sort of regained it in the past few weeks because I I like the promo, I I like what he's kind of been doing in the build, and I like the idea that he's sort of this quiet guy or whatever. But as you said, it's it's all about that 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 switch flipping. He cannot always be the quiet, calm, collective, you know, always at a baseline of five type guy or whatever. You know, that's what he's been, and and that's fine, and it's really kind of worked. But if you ever want to get into that next level. He's gonna have to, you know, it's gonna have to get a little bit more aggressive, and, yeah. and 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 the build has been fine because I like the idea of him being like, all right, you want me to talk? Well, here I talked. I'll see you in Osaka. Like really quickly, a little quick to the point or whatever. But there, but does that concern you? It does. Yeah, because I like it. Well, I like it in the build, and I I do wonder, hey, why does it take so long for him to even speak? And when he does speak, it's just that I'm gonna reserve judgment until we see. If they ever turn the, the, you know, if they kind of rev it up a little bit, if they never do, and if if after this match it's still like, ah, oh, Kata was just kind of, or, or Sonata was just kind of at a five, and and you know they haven't co- you know talk a little bit more, and it's always just at this you know sort of baseline middling level, then yeah, then I'm going to be a little concerned, and I am a little concerned now, but I, I'm reserving judgment. I I, I want to think that there's something more there with him because I always have, and I've always been a fan, like as you said, and and but it, it there there is yeah there's a little oddness there that it's like you know why do you decide to portray him as the guy who never talks and never shows any personality like that's to me that kind and of some, yeah, i don't like that that's kind of you know weird when some you know, guys can get over that way i right I, you know i don't think he hasn't i don't see any indication that he's going to get over as a huge star under this current incarnation um here's the other thing he he's going to have to Here's the other thing too. He's had some good matches in New Japan. The, the Tanahashi G1 match a couple years ago come stands out. Yeah. Some tag matches with Yoshihashi and Ishii come to mind. But really, he, he what he look. He's in there with arguably the greatest wrestler in the world, who's on one of the hottest runs ever. So to me, he needs to have his definitive. Oh my God, that was the best Sonata match in history. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like this has to be the one. You know, even the last time he was in a big, you know, you, you look at like, okay, the Wrestle One debut show where he main evented against Kai, you know, they went out there and this was the two guys that the company was going to decide to build around one or the other and maybe long term build around both. And they went out there and had a good match. But Rich, it was like a three and a half star match. You know what I mean? It's like neither of those guys grabbed that match by the throat and had a fucking killer match that sh- they should have went out there and had a killer match of the year match in the first show of the promotion and the first main event of the promotion these two young stars that they want to build around that could have changed the fortunes of wrestle one if they went out there and had this match of the year caliber fucking kick-ass master two guys that know each other well they came up together and they went out there and had a good match that wasn't good enough you know, and look at where their career trajectories have taken them since. Neither guy has gotten anywhere near the potential that a lot of people thought they had. You know, maybe they're just that. Maybe they're more Goshi Ozaki than Kazuchika Okada. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, and, and to be quite honest, I wouldn't put either one of those guys on Go, and even Goshi Ozaki's level. But you know the point I'm making here. Goshi Ozaki's never going to be a megastar. And maybe these guys never will either. Right. Like Nakajima type where it's just like, you know, you it can just be, didn't work. Yeah. yeah it's it, like it, you're, you're, you're budging up against that top, top, top star level, but you just never quite get there. It, it, there's something missing there. And it's like, you know, and, and I really think, you know, we, 
with, with some years of perspective, we can look back at that Kai Sonata match as really that may have been some uh, a, an important turning point for both guys. I mean, that was their opportunity. All eyes were on that show. This new promotion. This man, and they they went out there and had a good match. That 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 you know. That situation called for a great match. And, you know, I'm not saying people can just snap their fingers and have a great match, but maybe these guys just aren't capable of that. Yeah, so, that, was, that was an opportunity to set the stage for what this, this company was going to be. And it was just, yeah. and it, it unfortunately set the stage that this company was just going to be like, okay, like, you know, average at times. It's average, yeah. It's like Kai has gotten opportunities. He got opportunities to be the ace of Wrestle One, and he failed. You know, he 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 had to reinvent himself in DDT, and that was goofy. And now he's in all Japan, and we'll talk about him later. Sonata tried to go to America and reinvent himself. He tried to catch on in America, and it didn't work out. He didn't get that WWE invite. He didn't really make a huge impact on the. He didn't even make a huge impact on the American indie scene. You know, he went to. I'm not going to hold anything against him in Impact because you know you can't. You know, but it's like, so this is his chance. None of that will matter if he goes out there against Kazuchika Okada and has a four and a half star match that has people talking, gets over as a new superstar in defeat, then none of everything that we talked about matters, that I just talked about matters. That's why I think this is a huge match for Sonata. And that to me is the most interesting aspect of this match. Can Sonata become a star in one night? He's in there with the right guy. Okada's not a selfish superstar. Okada will go out there and give you a lot of offense. Okada, listen, if there's one thing Okada will do is he will go out there and have a match which looks like he's on the brink of losing. He'll make you look like a million bucks. He has no problem with that. He's very selfless in that way. So he's got the right guy. He's in a huge main event for uh, the second biggest company in the world. He's got the right opponent. He's got a guy he can have a great match with. He's got a guy who's not selfish. He's, he, it's, the table is set for Sonata. All he has to do is sit down and eat the meal. It's kind of amazing to think about that that one of Sonata's most high profile indie matches was like, you know, Dreamwave in LaSalle, Illinois, that I was there. It was just like it was kind of surreal at the time. You know what I mean? You're like, this guy's like should yeah, be I the, know, I hear you. A huge star. And like I'm like drinking with him after the show. And he's at this like podunk bar in LaSalle. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Now look, here's the thing. Now here's the thing, though, Rich. I like Sonata. No, okay? I do too. I, I'm a fan. But what I'm talking about here is can Sonata be a superstar? Mm-hmm. And if that's what we're talking, I have to be hard on him. You know what I mean? I have to. Yeah, sure. You know, look, if Sonata goes on to have Go Shiozaki's career, that's a great career. I think any young wrestler would sign up for Go Shiozaki's career. I think any dojo wrestler in Japan would sign up for Hiroki Goto's career, right? I think anybody would. Those are great careers. Hiroki Goto makes a lot of money. He's an upper mid Harder in New Japan. He's a great wrestler. He has a good career. You know, it's like, but if Sonata's going, this this match I think can can determine whether Sonata can be one of could be that guy, or even a level below that, or you know, or can he be a superstar? And that's what I, I want to see him yeah. grab this match by the throat. Yeah, I was going to say that's grab the bull by the horns. Any any term you want to use, he hasn't done that in his career yet, and this is a great opportunity for no. him to do that. I mean, there's been numerous opportunities for him to do it, but now this is probably the best one for him to really just be like, "No, this is my fucking. I'm going to be a star, and and here's why, and and take notice right now." And he hasn't done that yet, so. Uh, move on here. We got the Never Open Weight Championship. We got Hiroki Goto versus Evil. Uh, the build of this hasn't, I don't know. I haven't been as invested in this, and I'm kind of, I, I think the match is going to be solid. I'm pretty interested in it, but this might be my least anticipated of all the singles matches. And is that weird? I don't know I, if that, that should be, but yeah, I'm just not, I don't I know. I think it's weird. 
I think it's weird only because I think this match is going to fucking rock. I no, think I think it's going to rock too, awesome. but it's just like I, I, the stories of the others I think have been a little bit better. I, that's fair. That makes sense. That's, I don't think there's much story to this other than Evil wants this dude's title. And I think – did you watch the uh, tag team title match of Corkin yet? Uh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. So Evil got the pin on Goto. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the obvious result. I mean, obviously Okada's not going to take a fall, and I didn't think Okada and Goto were going to win the titles. So the only finish was Evil pinning Goto to plant the seed for Evil winning the Never title back. Sure, right. Um, so, you know, they did plant seeds there. That's really, other than Chaos versus LIJ, that's really... Yeah, I mean, the elimination, I guess, had a, the elimination match had a little bit that's of wrinkles true. here and there, yeah, but and not much. I mean, again, it wasn't like hit you well, over you the Well, you watched the elimination match. Of course. You, every did year. You, did you enjoy the yes. elimination? I know, you <laughs> yes. I know you hate them, but this, I thought it was good. I enjoyed the elimination. Oh no, yeah. Well, all, fun, all, right? all joking aside, even though that's kind of the thing is, is, is I hate WWE elimination matches. I do not. The new Japan ones are awesome. I love the wrinkle of the over the top rope or pinfall thing that adds yeah. so much dynamic to it. And we'll, we'll, cool. We'll talk about the next match we preview. I thought it was so well done. The elimination style with the, the, the build to that next match. And, and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to yeah, spoil yeah, it right yeah, now, but uh, pull your load here pretty lewd phrase right pretty yeah i was lewd. gonna say geez Whoa. did you know let me tell you the quick story oh please please do after after how however this story started i i cannot wait to hear what's next. it's about Go blowing on. loads oh Listen. okay okay that's what i assumed so there we go okay when i was in like third grade i didn't i, I didn't the story <laughs> do we need the story grade, okay like my 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 loud obnoxious Italian uncles used to use the phrase when we were watching sports. They used to say, "Ah, they shot their load, right?" Or they blew their load, all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And as a kid, I didn't know what it meant. So, you know, I remember in school, I said it to my teacher. Oh yeah, that's grade. yeah. I was like, yeah. we were talking about something. I was like, ah, you know, he blew his load. <laughs> and my teacher took me aside. I was like, Joe, you really shouldn't say that, you know. And um and I didn't he didn't explain, but he just kind of said try not to say that. And then uh, but see as a kid I always thought like shot your load or blew your load referred to a gun, like you're you're shooting your load like the load you put. But then you know obviously I realized it was about your cock. Hmm. But anyway, that's my little story about blue. Yeah, no, it was it was like a good. It's like a good sports metaphor too. Like that's your uncle using sports. Like yeah, the that's team, did, up, yeah. team you know ran out to a twenty point lead or whatever, and then blew it in the fourth quarter because they got their energy was sapped or whatever because they you know stuff like that or you know, the football team. team got up twenty to to ten and then you know fourth yeah. quarter came and they were exhausted and they they yeah they blew their load too early or they you know they yeah, blew, yeah you know. It's, it's, or like the Yankees got off to a fucking hot start and, and then in June they fell apart. You know, they yeah, right, right. Up, you know? Yeah. That's how my loud, obnoxious uncles would say it in sports terminology. And I, so I never thought it was like a, a, a like a vile thing, like a fucking. Oh, and how would you? You're in third grade. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, Little did that teacher know that you'd become, you know, the most lewd man in the world, Joe Landis. So. That's right. I mean, I wasn't banging girls in the woods yet. You know, I, I was a little <laughs> young for that, you know. That fucking Russian girl that lived in the cul-de-sac there. I took her in the woods a few times, but that wasn't until t- a few years later. You know, I was probably eighth, woods. ninth grade by then. You know? Yeah, in the woods. That was my spot, man. Like Listen, Russian girl you can woods. judge me all you want. Lord, yeah. Plenty of people. Uh, pl- I don't remember her name. Let's just call her Svetlana. How the Ivanka. Hell? Oh, all right. Yeah, Svetlana. Let's go with Svetlana. The SV. I Svetlana. like that Svetlana. Okay. Yes. But yeah. that's the thing. She's probably like, hot. If her name's Svetlana, she's probably like, she was well, hot. now she's not. Here's the, thing with, here's the thing with Svetlana. She had blonde hair mm-hmm. and she had well, old, she <laughs> Thank had, you, Joe. She had, she had big old titties, right? But the thing about yeah, Svetlana yes. That's is kind of, yeah, go ahead. she was hot for like an eighth or ninth grader, right? 
like she was developed ahead of her. You know what I mean? Like you, you get that. Well, that's, I was going to, I was going to say this about like, you know, without painting a broad brush here and, and trying to be, you know, too rude to everybody, but in my history and in my, you know, background, those girls, like they kind of the Eastern European Russian or whatever, yeah. they always like develop like way sooner. So they're like, they, do. they look like they're 18 when they're like 12 or whatever. And right. it's like, what the fuck? Like, that's really yeah. weird. Like, cause I remember growing up with like girls in my high school and it's like, how are, are you sure you're not like 22? Cause like you yeah. say you're 17, but eh, I don't, you don't look 17 or whatever. But then when they're like 35, they look like they're 60. Like it, it goes fast. Like it, it, it rapidly changes. But go on, carry on with your Here's thing. the problem. Here was the problem with Svetlana though, even though she was well developed, like you say. Okay, because she was like an off the boat Russian, her fashion and her style was like eight years behind. Oh, like, like no, it often yeah. is. Yeah. So she didn't get a lot of dude attention because at that age, when you're like in late middle school or early high school, image is very important. So nobody wanted to hang out with Svetlana because she looked like we had, like things had moved on to grunge and she was still looking like a hairband person. Yeah, yeah, she's got she looks like Delilah Doom and, and nobody wants, you know, yeah, nobody wants Svetlana yeah. that looks like Delilah Doom, you know, hanging out like, with the, you know, the ankle warmers and we're all listening to like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, but Svetlana's still listening to Rat and Warrant. You know, she just she was a few years behind with her with her pop culture and her and her fashion. But listen, Joe Lanza, as an enterprising young horny boy, I took advantage of that. I'm like, look, no one else is talking to her. She's hot. Okay, she's hot. I'm going to talk to Svetlana. I'm going to break through that accent, and I'm going to take her in the woods and do what kids do. You know what I mean? So I don't. I, I never had sex with Svetlana. I was a little young for that. You know. Oh, I thought. You, okay, thank God. I was wondering. No, what we did some things. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. you know. I, was, I felt cool. her boobies. You know, like stuff in the like woods. that. And I'm like, oh, come on, Joe. You can do better. Nah, than nah. I, yeah, I grabbed get, a, get a red roof in you, lazy bum. Come on. Nah, <laughs> this is like eighth grade. So I did some okay, yeah, raw yeah. booby grabbing, you know, maybe a little kissing, some probably horrible kissing. You know, she might have touched my dingus a little, you know, stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it's, but, I, you know, I don't think I, you know, we never really. Yeah, I mean, there might have been some nudity, but there was no blowing of loads is the point. Okay, yeah. Um. So what do we got here? So Godo Evil, do you, do you think there's a chance for a title change here? For uh, um, he is half of the tag champs. You got to keep that under. Yeah, the no, and that's and that's the big reason why I don't think I I, I don't like the idea of them being double champions right now. I, I like the idea of Godo. I, I think Godo is a never champ is a good idea for right now. I think he I I I hope he holds it because I, I like him and I, I would like him to have kind of a, a relatively decent run. And and it seems like through all the promos and everything he's done after he beat Suzuki that this is something that's going to be long-term. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be years or whatever, but it seems like something, if you, it, it seems really disingenuous, very Goto-like if you have him just lose right away. But I, I, I just still, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. I think he's going to hold on to this for a little while. Where did a young Rich have his first uh, over-the-bra booby grabbing? Were you a Woods guy? or were uh, you, a- you know, I don't think we had enough good Woods by me. Um, did, you, did, you, did you get into their room? Well, we had it. We used to... No, see, that was always bad. That was because everybody was always like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you watch TV and you hear and everyone's always like, oh, my parents are out of town. And uh, my parents never left anywhere. Like whose parents go out of town? My parents are always fucking home. Like, always, who, uh, can you imagine? I've never had a scenario where my parents are like, all right, we're leaving for the weekend. Bye. Like, what? I got to agree. I mean, like, who are you friends with? Ferris Bueller? Who's yeah, doing like, that? Like, who's- no, my friends had the same thing. It wasn't like my friends were like, oh, dude, my parents are gone for the weekend. Let's all come over and have like a drink. I'm like, no, all of our parents are always there. They're never gone. Like, are you kidding? So yeah. It's like, guy, you're 13. Why are your parents gone? You know, yeah, it doesn't make like, sense. Like, do your parents hate you that much? They're like, yeah, we're going to go to Mexico. Fuck 
off, you know, see ya. Yeah. Like they would take me. Like they wouldn't like not take me. They'd be like, Well, you want to come to Mexico? And I'd be like, Well, yeah, of course I, you know, or they no, it's an parent never went to Mexico, but they were like, Hey, do you want to go to Milwaukee? I'm like, Oh fuck yeah, I want to go to Milwaukee and watch the Milwaukee Bucks play, you know, the Toronto Raptors. Of course I'm gonna go do that. So, so it's like a, so let's see, you weren't a woods guy. No. You weren't uh getting the girl's room when her parents go to Mexico guy. Oh, you were a back of the bus guy, weren't you? Not a back of the bus, more um well, how young are we talking here? Because I'll be first- honest. Your first, like, over-the-bra booby-grabbing, stuff like that. Necking, um, making out, maybe some heavy petting. Oh, you know what? There, there was a girl whose parents were always gone. That, that you know, I forget about, yeah, old uh, old Kit. Yeah, that, oh, her Kit. Was, Tell me about uh, Kit. I uh, know. That's enough about Kit. <laughs> She's got two kids now, so. You're such a. You're, you're such a square, Rich. You can't. Why am I such listen, a square? Yeah, because you can't tell a story of your of your coming of age here. No, you know, your Kevin Arnold story here. Took Winnie Cooper to the woods. Did he? I, I never actually. I didn't watch much. That's where he got his first. Uh, listen, remember, Winnie Cooper's brother died in Vietnam. So Kevin, okay. Kevin takes her into the woods and they sit on the log and he's consoling her and he puts his Joe Namath Jets varsity jacket. Oh, that's on her, oh, of, right? course, of course. And then he gets yeah. his first kiss in the woods. See, he took Winnie Cooper to the woods. You think I'm this crazy perv? But kids go to the woods. That's what they do. You know. I was gonna say otherwise it was the car thing. That was later in life. I, I'll be honest. I didn't do a whole lot of uh, work from my 13 to 16 era. If you want to. Uh, I was busy booking you. EWR and E-fetting, so I wasn't. Believe it or not, those two things mm. didn't quite work out with the ladies. The I watch wrestling, I do fantasy uh, wrestling online, and I book fantasy wrestling on my computer. For whatever reason, that didn't quite work all that well. Yeah, um, for a while, and uh, still today, it barely works. But uh, yeah, it's you know, I got one. That's you have all a lovely. Right. Don't put yourself down. You you have a lovely <laughs> wife. I got one. Put okay. yourself. Down. Okay. Uh, do you think Will Ospreay was a taker to the woods guy? Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. Or no, he's even, he was like an alley guy. He was like an alley bro. You know what I mean? Like, he does. Uh, I think Will Ospreay is the guy who sneaks him into his bedroom. Through a window. He's got, like a, he's got like a ladder. And... He seems pretty confident, you know? And, you know, so I, I think Will Ospreay is that kind of guy. He defends his junior title against Hiromu here. Um, obviously, this is a match we've been salivating for. We, we wanted these guys of a big time singles title match. Um, they're gonna fucking blow the fucking doors off here, right? I mean, oh, God, that's yes. what's gonna happen, yeah, and next. that's and that's that's the match or the the match I was alluding to in the elimination. Uh, if you haven't watched the elimination match from what was it, night five or um, first cork at night? Yeah, the first cork at night, whatever that one. Maybe night six. I forgot which it was. It was on the fifth, I believe. Um, that one. So the elimination, if you're if you're seeing, because of course with New Japan elimination or with the you know the, the the tag elimination matches, you can be eliminated by going over the top rope or being pinned or submitted or whatever. Well. It's exactly what we've always we wanted out of Hiroma. We had the weird Daryl thing for a while and whatever. We're not going to get through that again. We've done that a thousand times or whatever. But he's back to being the not a, not like a a simpleton in some way. You would always kind of say the simpleton or like kind of the, the he's not dumb. He's just fucking crazy. And nice, then weird. Match, yeah, he's weird. Yeah, he, he tries to do the sunset flip, yeah. power bomb or whatever. He eliminates himself, but he's such a fucking crazy maniac, and maybe in a way he's kind of smart too. And that's sort of the idiot savant is always a good way to sort of yeah. describe Hiromu. He realizes, hey, look, I'll get eliminated from this match. I don't fucking care because I'm about to sunset power bomb this guy on the floor, and he's gonna be way hurt when we have our big match coming up in a little bit. And I want yeah. his title or whatever. So he sacrifices his body and sacrifices his spot in the elimination match so that he can knock out Will Ospreay and hit that or whatever. And it's like, bam! Like, and seeing these dudes in these tag matches going at each other right away. Osprey does what he did last year against Shibata, where you know the, the bell rings and he just goes in and kicks this guy immediately. Like, these dudes are gonna fucking kill it, and it's gonna be an absolute crazy match. And I have no doubt in my mind, it's gonna be the match of the night. There's no way, and I think Okada Sonata is gonna be great, but I see no way that any match on this entire show can top Osprey Hiromu. These guys are gonna go out there and absolutely 
kill themselves and absolutely kill it. It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, I don't even care who wins. I mean, I would prefer if Will Ospreay wins because I'd like to ha- see his title run have a little bit of meat behind it as opposed to just losing it right away. But um, I think this can be a match of the year caliber match with these two guys having yeah. a full oh, yeah. singles match on a big show. And I am just greatly looking forward to it. And I did think the elimination uh, match was a ton of fun. And you're right. Hiromu's nuts. He eliminated himself and didn't care. He just wanted Will out of the match. And uh, maybe he didn't even understand the rules for all we know. You know, he's just fucking nuts. Right. So, yeah. I could totally see the LIJ being like, all right, here are the rules. And he's just kind of like dozing off and, and you know, you know, licking the wall. And they're like, all right, whatever, dude, you'll figure it out. Like not a big deal. But, and even then, like you could say, and, and that's what I sort of say. And that's what I, this is why I like this Romo character over the guy that holds a, a stuffed cat character. Yeah. Yeah, is you know again. I'm not. We don't have to go through that again. But is that you know that sort of idiot savant thing? Like I can justify in my head that that he a didn't know what the rules were, or b knew full well what the rules were, but said fuck it. It's it means more to me to take this guy out with this sunset power bomb than it means to be in this stupid little elimination match. This is this is meaningless to me. This doesn't matter. This is just a random tag. I don't care. You know, yeah, my stable mates are gonna want me to, but whatever. I'm kind of my own thing. I kind of do my own thing a lot of times like i don't whatever i don't really care about this elimination match i care about osaka i care about winning the title so he realized hey i can eliminate myself but i'm gonna take this guy out or whatever i like that idea i like that you can sort of think both those ways like is he really is he so smart that he's kind of playing us all or is he kind of dumb but it kind of works or whatever but he's crazy and that's all that matters is he's unhinged and he's crazy and that's all we've wanted out of Hiromu. this is the kamatachi this is what Hiromu came in as and this is the time bomb that we've always kind of wanted Hiromu to be since he came back to new japan so i'm so glad this character has gotten back to that level and you can still see the silliness you can still feed will osprey chicken and call him a cat and all that sort of stuff and do fun stuff but when the time comes when the bell rings he's a crazy unhinged maniac and you have no idea what he's going to do and that's what i wanted out of my Hiromu. and i'm glad Hiromu's back and it's awesome so I, I completely agree. And I'm going to be watching guys, this match with like that, that sort of weird edge of your seat. Like, what are these guys going to do? You know what I mean? Like, and I know they're not just going to go out there and have like, well, Esprit does a shooting star press and Hiromu does a few. They're Crazy shit's going to happen in this match one way or another. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to do it. Someone's going to do some crazy shit and that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Yoshihashi Naito fourth from the top behind the uh, title matches. Uh, singles match to keep Naito occupied. You know, um, the winner's obvious, uh, but look, you know, this is so much better than having another dopey tag. I mean, they could have easily put Naito with Bushi and, uh, you know, done Gato and Yoshihashi or something. No, they gave they're giving us some singles matches here, and I appreciate that. You know, there's nothing wrong with Naito coming off the Wrestle Kingdom loss and all that, getting himself a solid singles win here over a guy like Yoshihashi. I have no problem with the booking here. And uh, Yoshiashi has actually been a pretty fun character the last few weeks or whatever. And, like, he's got a little bit of an edge. He's a little more aggressive or whatever. And that's what we've always kind of, you know, what you kind of wanted to your Yoshihashi is, is is not necessarily just the, the chaos, you know, guy at the end of the bench or whatever. He's, you know, got a little bit of an edge. And, and yeah, he's going to lose. And that's kind of what his role is at this point. And he's probably never going to go above that. But it's nice to know that he's kind of fighting back a little bit. And it at least makes me a little bit intrigued in this match and a little interested to see what happens. And, yeah, obviously, there's going to be a hope spot or two where maybe they, people will think he's going to win. That's always been an issue with Yoshiashi is getting people to that level, getting people to invest in his near falls or whatever. But Naito's pretty good at doing that, so I feel like they might get to that level. But at the end of the day, at least Yoshihashi has some reason to be fighting Naito. There's some juice behind this match. And yeah, I mean, the the, the finish is an absolute zero die. I mean, that's going to be Naito that's going to win. But they've got me a little interested in this, just by Yoshihashi putting a little bit of an edge, you know, dyeing the hair a little darker or whatever, you know, being a little bit more aggressive and and being sick of kind of being a guy at the end of the bench, even if at the end of the day and after he loses, he's going to be right back to that point. But at least he's got a little motivation for this month. So Gato and Bushi, 
I, I'm I'm surprised that they haven't done they haven't turned this into mask versus beard yet because in all of Bushi's promos he keeps talking about Gato's nasty disgusting beard and then in all of the matches Lij is just going after Gato's beard they're yanking his beard they're stomping his beard they're pulling his beard they're dragging him around by his beard I thought for sure they were going to do mask versus hair but in this case the beard in place of the of the of the, of the hair on the head. I haven't at, at the time we're recording this. That's not anything that they've you know made official. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty surprised though because they've basically built this around Bushi hates Guido's beard. But I mean, more importantly, a non-title junior singles match. Finally, I've been begging for this, and it, you know, give these guys something to do. They don't have to be in the title mix to have something to do. And I have no problem. And these are two bottom juniors. Look. I know that Bushi has held the junior title, and I know that Gato was a push commodity fucking, you know, a decade ago or whatever. I get it. But let's face it. These are two bottom juniors. Would you agree with that? I mean, they're, they're – Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Bo- I mean, whatever you think about Bushi, I mean, he absolutely is that. And Gato, of course. Yeah. I mean, he had his little this gimmick title run, but he's not a big-time guy. I mean, he's like – you know, these are, these are prelim junior guys, and they're having a singles match, and there's nothing wrong with that. It gives us something. This is so much better than having another dopey tag. Yeah, I'm stunned that the, they, they haven't officially went with that result or, or, or with that stipulation because, yeah, even in the – you look at the elimination match or not uh, not the elimination match but some other ones, it was always, you know, Bushi's it, – yeah, it, it's really strange that they're not doing that. I mean, it's always – they're both playing that up. Gato gets DQ'd in the elimination match by ripping the mask off. Bushi's yep. ripping at his beard. Like, why aren't they – I mean, they've obviously, like yeah. – it's one of these things where it's like you guys are, you know, dancing around and flirting. Just fuck. Like, just do the mask versus hair or the mask versus beard. There like, what are we doing? Rich. Now you're not being vanilla. Beautiful yeah, analogy. <laughs> I love it. Now Rich is getting – there you go. I love it, Rich. I'm all pumped up now. Thank I you. I got the snowpocalypse. I might as well, you know, be a yeah, long night, I mean, long morning. So, so, yeah. You know, you're right. He's tearing the mask. He's pulling the beard. Do the mask versus beard. What are we doing here? But they're, they're obviously not doing it because we're only a couple days away. So unless, Rich, Rich, could this be this feud must continue? Maybe Gato pulls the mask off again, and it's like, all right, now that's enough. Pal, Another yeah, DQ or something? I mean, would you be opposed to this feud must continue? Oh, God, no. No, this can go on for months. It's I mean, not, maybe not like six months, but, you know, a few months could I, I could do. Yeah, no, I love this idea. I love, like you said, having juniors in something that's not the title because we see a lot of times the juniors just kind of are at the back end of a tag match or just in some random tag match with Juice and Thunder Liger at the beginning of the show. And it's like, yeah, it's a waste of these guys. It's a great roster. Use these guys in some way. Have some yeah. singles. Have some fun stuff going on in between. That, this that's is been what they should have been doing with Will Ospreay all along when they weren't pushing Jesus, him. He should have been having, kidding. right? Yeah, he should have been having kick-ass singles matches against like fucking whoever, Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask. I don't care who it is. You know, give these guys singles matches. Uh, so we've got Ryusuke Taguchi and Kushida along with Mike Elgin and Togi Makabe against. Uh, Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki, Takashi Azuka, Takamishinoku, and Taichi. Uh, so what we got here is basically an eight-man tag where uh, Togi Makabe and Minoru Suzuki are going to set up their intercontinental title match, which will take place on the next big show. So pretty much a nothing tag. And uh, I know that y- you know not too many people could be excited about the prospects of Minoru Suzuki defending the Intercontinental title against Togi Makabe from an yeah. in-ring perspective. Look, Makabe, we talk about it all the time. He is somewhat of a star. Um, that you know, He does have a lot of fans. It is something to keep Suzuki busy with until you know he moves on to whatever it is he does next. And Togi Makabe, they really haven't done anything with him in over a year. So I don't have a huge problem with doing the match, even though I have no interest in seeing it. 
that's where I stand on that. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I, I get why it's happening, but I don't really care to see it. But Suzuki's been great this year. I mean, you have a legit case that Minoru Suzuki's like your wrestler of the year so yeah. far in 2018. So it's like, you know what? May, but it's it's Togi Makabe. And, and, and again, like he's a guy that Western fans are never going to because what we see in the ring is never he's a star in Japan. People like him. There, there's obviously there's there's cachet there. But us in America, when we watch it for the matches, and Togi Makabe just never delivers on that level for us. Nah, he's like, an aging guy, and right, especially now. I mean, you can maybe make a case years and years ago, but even that. I mean, even I've seen a lot of even back to the Shinya Makabe. And it was, nah, he's like, never been a great wrestler. It was just, yeah, it was just okay, and it's like yeah, it's never been great, and now it's even worse, and it's just like so. That's what we're we're watching for the in the reason we're all attracted to New Japan. The people listen to the show, you know, you and I is 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 for the great matches or whatever, and 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 great sort of logical storytelling or whatever. Makabe, you know, is a big star in Japan for various reasons or whatever. He likes dessert and I like dessert. So I, I, I do like him on that level. But other than that, it's it's about it. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to find anyone who's going to argue that Togi Makabe was a great worker even in his prime. So, I mean, it's just, it is what he, look, there's a certain charm to him. I'll say that. Um, you know, I think he's a, a charismatic guy and his promos are funny. But um, but yeah, so that's what that match is. We've got I like how I said I like dessert. He likes like I like that's a real rarity that you would like dessert. But you know, that's- <laughs> he he also I thought it was interesting too. He made reference to the fact that he hasn't done anything in a year. You know, he he did a promo where he said, "Hey, look, I know I haven't done much uh, lately, but you know, I'm sick of this fucking guy, and uh, I want to take his title." Yeah, I'm a sleeping well, giant, and 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 never always be aware of me because whenever I come back, I'm I'm gonna come back with strong, yeah. and that's that's cool. I mean, that's uh, there's your story. There's your story. I'm sick of this fucking guy, and I want to take his title. I, that's right. all I need. That's all Joe Lanza needs. Okay, I don't need fucking. He doesn't have to come out and dress like a clown and call Minoru Suzuki a clown. I'm not into it. <laughs> all right, so we've got David Finley and Juice Robinson with Toa Hanare against uh, Toru Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Jay White. Yano and Ishii have been winning tag matches left and right. It seems to me they're setting them up for a tag team title shot. We'll see. Um, a couple things here. The Finley White feud, which has been fantastic. They had a killer match in Corrigan with a killer post match. Um, and, and the other thing here Toa Hanare and Tomohiro Ishii, at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, are going to have a fucking awesome singles match. The chemistry between these two men is incredible. Every time they face off in these tags, they, they, it just, Hanare is like a mini Ishii. I just, he works the same style. They go in there, they bash each other's skulls in. Hanare shows guts and fight. And it's interesting because it's like Ishii is in the position of the favorite and he's usually the underdog, right? He's usually the guy who, you know, is willing to get in there and, 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 and trade blows. But, you know, he comes up short in this situation. It's like, it's reversed. Yeah. He's got right, this right. young kid coming after him who fight, you know, they are going to have such a great singles match. Someday. Well, we talk about those tiers and how great that is sometimes like Tomohiro Ishii now can usually he's working up a tier and now he's working down a tier. And it's like, it's cool to yeah. see him in this position where Hanari comes out there. What I, I keep forgetting what his real, his new name is. I, I'm so stuck with it. Toa Hanari. It's, listen, the he Toa was Hanare, Hanare right? Yeah. yeah. All you got to do oh, is Toa Hanare. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. You could, and listen, you Who could just, I? oh no, the Leo Tonga. Leo Tonga is the one that I'm like, Leo Tonga is the one. Yeah. You could just say Hanare because it's his last name. That's you true. Don't I, even I'm have to remember the Tonga. But there was the one, I think, I forgot if it was from the fifth of the sixth where Hanari comes in there, like, he gets a hot tag, runs in, and tries to, like, elbow Ishii, and Ishii just stares and looks at him. And then Hanari just, like, runs back and, like, starts doing another thing. And she's like, Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like that's yeah. not going to do anything. Like, what are you on your mind? But that's cool. I, I those, and that's why it's so good when you establish tiers and make those tiers count because now Ishii 
it's obvious where Ishii is, whether you want to put him in the second tier, the third tier, however you want to do your tiers or whatever, but it's obvious that Hernare is, you know, one or two tiers below him or whatever, so that Ishii, you respect the fact that Ishii versus Hanare, even though Ishii might lose a lot to the tiers above him, might not always be the guy that sort of excels in big main events or the guy that wins all the titles or whatever, but you know because of where he sort of is in the hierarchy that he's way above this guy, and that's a cool story yet. And then Hanare can sort of get a little bit of benefit by wrestling this guy. He's not going to win, but if yeah. he you know gets a few near falls, okay, well, all right, interesting. Hanare... A guy against a guy a few tiers above him got a pretty good. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, there might be something in this. So it's awesome. And that's why it's so beneficial to make wins and losses matter and to make hierarchies matter and why tiers matter. Because something like this, a small little throwaway story like Nari and Ishii can have some some lakes to it. And that's awesome. I just, every time they get in the ring, the chemistry is so fucking good. I, I'm hoping that they, they face each other in New Japan Cup. I don't know if they're going to throw Hanari in a New Japan Cup first round match right off the bat. Look, we know he's not going to be in a G1 or anything like that. He could be in a, G, a New Japan Cup, right? You can see a Hanari level guy or a Chase Owens. Sure. And, and, and New Japan Cup is ripe for upsets, too. You know, I don't think that they would do Hanare over Ishii necessarily, but you see lower ranked guys in there sometimes. I, I, I want to see a singles match between these guys, and I want it now, so I want it in New Japan Cup. We'll see. But hopefully they see that these guys have chemistry that's just fucking out of this world. And, and Hanare looks like he's going to be one hell of a worker. And he's going to be the kind of – his style, you can tell already, is that Ishii kind of style. Just fucking, you know, just just a, just a hard-headed, hard-hitting yeah, – Kind of beefy guy. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can see it already in him. So and then you know we've got the Finley White stuff, which they did the great angle after White won the match, and they're pushing the fact that it was nine nine wins in a row for White, and then it looks like White's gonna take care of his old pal, and he's got the ice pack, and then he fucking just gets diabolical, like he's you know, and he does the symbolic cutting of his throat and all of that sort of thing, and they have to come in and save Finley. Just so many layers, Rich. One day David Finley is gonna beat this man, and it's gonna be incredible. You know, and that's what they've set up. And those were the, these are the seeds that they've planted going all the way back to these young lion encounters. It's just, this is just such a great story. This Finley J white story. I, I just, it's just incredible. I mean, I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but my God, I mean, you know, they didn't have to do that post-match stuff. They could have just had white and, and it was a hell of a match too. I mean, that's the thing about Finley. I know he doesn't get pushed and I know I hate his look. I think he looks like a geek. I think he needs a haircut and some new gear and all those sorts of things, but fuck is the guy good. And some crunches would be nice too, but you know, I'm not a body guy, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, you know, the guy is really fucking good. No, he's great. Yeah. I mean, the match was tremendous and, um, and, and the post-match stuff was just phenomenal. So, and, and like I said last week, I mean, you're either, if you're not on board with Jay White, you're nuts. I'm sorry. You're going to get left behind. Guy's great. Oh, the Jay White stuff's incredible. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen the post-match, like he grabs Finley, like he's going to pick him up or whatever, and then just locks him in. I, I forgot. I don't know what you would technically call that move or whatever, but just throws MMA elbows at him. I know Dave alluded to some MMA guy. I don't know who the fuck it is. It was, um, I, I, I don't know any of my MMA guys, but uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Cause it was like this moment where you're like, oh, okay. He's going to, you know, he's help his friend or whatever. Jay White's, you know, maybe a good guy and then just lays into it. But yeah, Jay White's yeah. been incredible. The post-match promos are great. The characters coming into form. It's all coming together. And yeah, now it's time to jump on the bad wagon because it's, uh, it's going quick. And if you don't jump on, now you're going to be you know left behind because it's it's he, it's coming together firmly established as a guy on the roster that no one can trust he's just diabolical and in it for himself and oh man yeah just, even his own old best friend or whatever he can't trust him so it's like well fuck dude <laughs> like you know what i mean it, it's, it's so you know, easy to be excited about him right yeah. now and yeah, compare that to how we felt after wrestle kingdom 
I think the in-ring still needs a little bit of work, but that's going to come in time. And that's I. But I, what I like, though, is that he's working his matches with a, the idea of the character first and sort of yes. building that character. And then once he's got the character honed in, then there's the capacity to have those great ones. But, like, this match against David Finley was a very good match, but it wasn't like a, oh, my God, he's going out there to do everything he possibly can and have a five-star match or whatever. It was playing into the, the, the character and the role. He well, yeah, they're also, so. they're also third from the top in Corrigan. Yeah, exactly. So there's no need to do that. Yeah, they're not going to have a main event, but but I still think it was you know uh, you know somewhere around a four star match. I thought it was a great match. The post match was outstanding, and I was really high on the Omega match. So and I think you're right. I think he's starting to work to the character more, which is important. Which is really what he didn't do at Wrestle Kingdom. He's just fine. You know, like we said, it's his first match. You know, you got to let these guys find themselves and find their footing a little bit. And man, I think he's I think he's just about there. I mean, this guy. I mean, it's very obvious what they love about him. So. Uh, we got Rapongi 3K against El Desperado and uh, Kanemaru uh, on the Corican shows. It's very now. This is non-title, but it's very obvious based on the Corican shows that I, I I think Suzuki Gun obviously wins this, and they extend this out for one more show, and then they get their title match, which they'll probably lose because uh, they kept doing angles after the matches where Suzuki Gun would steal the junior titles after the post-match attacks, and it was very clear that Despi and Kanemaru want a junior title shot. So now here's a little touch here, Rich. This is why the New Japan booking appeals to me. Because Young Bucks and Rapongi 3K had a junior title match earlier in the tour, this that's the reason this is not Rapongi 3K were not champions when this match was booked. Mm-hmm. So this is not a title match because New Japan treating it like a sport. Um, you know, it, it's they can't defend title. They, they they this wasn't signed as a title match. This is not a title match now. And I love shit like that. Little things like this appeal to me so much. It's like it would be so easy just to slap a title match here, but you don't do that. It wasn't signed as a title match, so it's not a title match. And now what you can do is have Suzuki Gun win the non-title bout to earn the title match, which is all I ask. Right, and that's why I said there's something in this match, and it's yes. cool. Like I, I I think I know who's going to win, but that's fine because then it's sort of building towards the next step. Yeah. All we want are stakes involved. You know, that's all we, they don't have to be huge stakes, but obvious. And look, it's not official or anything like that. There's no stipulation here that says if they win, but we all know if Suzuki gun wins, they're going to get a title shot. And now you've got a little two tour program between these teams. And there's nothing wrong with that. I have no issue with Rapongi 3k moving into a feud with Despi and Kanemaru. I think they could have some cool matches. And I think there's a lot of fresh title matches on the table for Rapongi 3k because you know, they haven't been there for a while. And it's not just all these Gaijin teams repeating themselves as, as, you know, trading the title back and forth. Now we have a team that hasn't defended their titles against all of these teams yet. So we're going to get fresh stuff like this. So looking forward to this. I think this could be a cool little match. Look, we talk about wrestlers finding their footing in their gimmicks. Rapongi 3K, I mean, they're another example, you know. They didn't struggle out of the gate the way White did. They were okay, they were okay uh, you know, right from the start. But they've really been having killer matches now against the Bucks. So, right, I think they've sort of come into that. Maybe the, the characters are still kind of less. I, I don't know. The characters are still a little weird to me, but I, I, I now I'm sort of used to it, so it's not a problem. But now they become guys that just have like incredible tag matches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and that's awesome. Like, they, they, they have the tag work down so well. And for a team that I mean, obviously they've been teaming together and they've been working together for years or whatever. But dude, they look like like ten year veterans. Like they're so good at the little things of tag wrestling already, which is like, dude, like that. You know what's the what's the, what's the next step for these guys if they're already this great at tag wrestling? It's it's and it's kind of a shame because I think both of them are very good and 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 could be singles. But it's like now I don't know how you break them up because they're just so fucking awesome as a tag team. I think I got about time. It. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll feel right when it feels right. But it's just like, man, those guys are just killing it as a tag. Team. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, and this early into their in and relatively early into their their tag run. I mean, obviously, yeah, they've had some a little bit of matches under their belts, but still, like, it's just incredible what they're they got it. Like they they, they have tag team wrestling down to a T, and not necessarily like like old school tag team wrestling too, yes. like old style, like mm-hmm. classic the the stuff that people you know eat up and love especially in America for the old territory days. Like they have that already. They're already yeah. at that level. It's crazy. They're going out there doing Southern tags with the, that's young- what I mean. Like what the fuck? Like it's unbelievable. The quickest way to expose yourself is not watching is saying that the young bucks, you know, uh, are out there working spot fest in new Japan. They're out there having Southern tags in new Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people just, you, they, they, that's the quickest way to expose yourself as a dope. Who's not paying attention, but yeah, Rapongi three K. I mean, I, I would like to see them stay a team for a long time. They got time to, to do single stuff down the line. I'm not worried about that. Um, so, but I'm just enjoying this team right now. So, and I'm going to enjoy, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good undercard match. And of course the opener, as Kit Demora soldiers on in his seven match trial series, I think this is match five, and uh, he faces Yuji Nagata. So, um, you know, his trainer and all those sorts of things. So, these uh, Kit Demora matches have been a lot of fun. Um, you know, he puts up a bit of a fight and then basically gets his ass kicked and lose. That's what a trial series is. Uh, and the question again, do you think he wins one at some point? I don't know who his final two opponents are. The best idea that I saw, and I'll throw this to you, was. And I'd love to give the person credit, but I don't remember who it was, so I apologize. It's not my idea. But someone had said that um, with Chase Owens scoring all these falls lately and sort of, you know, uh, being made to look good and the Rambo and all those sorts of things, maybe he is the Kitamura victory because what's the big deal? It's only Chase Owens. You can beat him. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You know, and maybe that's what this buildup of Chase Owens is leading to. Maybe it's leading to Kitamura beating Chase Owens on the way off to excursion. Decent theory, right? Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, because, yeah, what's really the end game? I mean, Chase Owens, you're, you're kind of rewarding him and giving him a little thing. But, yeah, if he loses, it's like whatever, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's it, it, you really, you know, you're not sacrificing anything by beating Chase Owens. Um, but I could see Chase Owens entering that match real cocky, you know, and um, he's doing some fun things with the five. He's doing the old King Kong Bundy five count and. He's an honorary Tongan, you know, and doing all those sorts of things. So, but, you know, I, that'd be a good spot. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Now, you don't, most of the time, guys will go winless in a trial series. Um, you know, I think I talked about last week, Kenta beat uh, Juventud Guerrera and went like one in nine in his trial series or something with his only win over Juve. Uh That's one win that I could think of off the top of my head. I know Dragon Gate was, I, I think Dragon Gate did a, uh, Stalker Ichikawa trial series that went into like 170 matches. It was like a running <laughs> gag is, yeah, where he just, I think that's, that is you know, he just was losing. His trial series lasted for years, you know, and he just kept losing. Um, but, you know, um, but yeah, I can't really think off the top of my head uh, of another person who actually won a match in a trial series other than Kenta. So I'm sure the listeners have some examples, but, um, you know, so what do you think? You think he wins one, or do you think he goes out? Yeah, I still think I still think he wins his last one, whoever that is. Um, but I wouldn't be stunned if he loses them all. But yeah, I, I like the idea of him winning his last one and sort of yeah. then coming back and and sort of at least you, you send him off with with a with the win, and then when he comes back, he sort of exact revenge over over all those guys if they're still around or whatever. Oh but, my! Listen, my idea is he comes back like a fucking horror movie, monster <laughs> just destroys them. Yeah, just murders every one of these people that beat him. You know, like yeah. literally murders them. Like Yuji Nagata is dead. Because Katsuya Kitamura beat him and then 
ripped his heart out of his chest with his mouth. You know, that, that's, that, that's what I envision happening. Well, he's, got, he's got the mouth guard, so it could certainly, it could certainly happen. Great. He's going to come back with literal fucking jaws. They're going to shave his teeth. You know, like who was, who was the, uh, who was, was it, was it pink or stink who teamed with Lawler who had the pointy teeth? Do you remember that in the Survivor Series? That one oh, midget right. had the pointy yeah, teeth. I don't, it might have uh... been one of the doink midgets, actually. It might have been one of them. He had the pointy fucking teeth. It was the creepiest thing. This man literally had pointy yellow teeth. This midget. Oh man, it was. It was. It was. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back on the uh, on the award winning network and check that out and figure was, out. Which I'm one sure there's one of those Coliseum video ones or whatever. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. I forget which what he looked like or what what color he was. But uh, no, it's in a Survivor series, so I think it's ninety. Yeah, no, it's the it's the one with all the uh, yeah when everybody got fired, so they had to use like you know. Is it the midget? A, a no, no, that was the, you're thinking of the Dark Knight one where Shawn Michaels took Lawler's place. This was Lawler and the and the little fucking midgets versus Doink and the little midgets. I think it was the year after or the year before. Uh, now you hate you hate elimination matches, so this is why you probably aren't remembering. Right? Oh, you know what? It was, I think it was '94. You're right. But Something like that. That era, because I think '93 was the was the where Michaels took Lawler's place, right? With the Knights. Yeah, I'm trying to figure figure out if the uh, what the midgets ever ever did. It's Survivor Series match, right? Yeah, but I'm looking at it here, and, and it says uh, 94. It is 94. It's the 94. Clown, Clowns are us versus the royal family. So. Yeah. There you go. That one midget, I'm telling you, it's one of the clowns, too, which made it I'm worse. I'm looking at it, too. I think it's the yellow clown. Now, that one is fucking scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah little pointy teeth. Yeah, that's, that's scary. It's, I don't know who that, that is. That's the stuff of nightmares. I'm, you know, it's the stuff of fucking nightmares. It wasn't Doink or Dink. It was Stink and Pink. Weren't the other yeah, two? I don't, yeah, I, I imagine Pink is, is the one with the red hair, but I don't know. I, I can't say that for sure. And Stink King had these grimy-looking indie midgets with him. Yeah, right? Mustaches, like weird mustaches. Yeah, and, they look like you know they'd be good curlers. Yeah, and the one had like some weird jawline, if I remember correctly. It kind of yeah. looks like you know it looks like Glenn Jacobs now, but he was in like a small compact form or whatever. It was pretty. Uh, yeah. Pretty, so yeah, Survivor Series '94 on your award-winning WWE Network. So um, you'll be happy to know that on the Coliseum video dump, the Dino Bravo bench press challenge is. Oh, thank God! Oh, You're thank right God! All all forty-five minutes of it. Yes, in oh, its entirety. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. So I, you can I not only see that. Uh, talk about weighing the bar more. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So you will not. You can not only watch that so I, at uh, Royal Rumble '88. You could also watch that on uh, the Coliseum oh, video. Oh God! Dump. Oh, perfect. I'm so glad. I can't wait. Yeah, I, was, I uh, wasn't going to tell you. You know what I was going to do? I was going to suggest that we review one on Patreon, and I was going to pick the one that had the bench oh. press challenge on it, and not you tell it. you. You can still do it if you want. That's fine. And but. trick you into watching it again. You know, but I'm sure you would have just fast forwarded through it. Uh, <laughs> talked about how much I hated it again. Forty minutes. I remember it, Joe. Don't worry, it is stuck in my head. I remember it forever. So Dino Bravo bench. It press. was. Uh, they did a uh, segment on uh, the something wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard where they talked about the '88 Royal Rumble, and Bruce said that that thing went like so fucking far over their Ugh. time, and they're in the back just like screaming, like "What are you doing? Like go home. Yeah. It's over. Like it's, it's, come on, let's go." And that thing went like twenty minutes over time, and they got to go to commercial, and it's like, "Well, you got to weigh the bar. It's not officially." It's like, "Come on, all right, whatever. Like let's go, let's go, let's go." And so and, bad. The, and the funny thing too is like they thought that Bravo because he he had said that oh I can bench press this much or whatever, and they had gimmick weights, but still kept it at a certain amount of weight, assuming that he could do it because he said he could, and then he couldn't do it. And then that it was like a shoot that he couldn't do it per Bruce. I don't know. He might be lying, but that Vince just like buried the shit out of him. Cause like Vince in commentary, if you remember, he's like, ah, he can't do it. <laughs> like, and that was like yeah. legit, like sort of like, well, we better play it this up. Cause, and again, it's like Bruce. So he might be playing it up a little bit, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't yeah. doubt that Dino Bravo would say, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And then like the time comes, he can't do it. And then, this oh. is, 
this is Pritchard full of shit again because very clearly, if you watch it, the idea yeah. is that Jesse has to I, help I him because yeah, he, right, right. So Pritchard is just fucking. Was, I know, yeah. That that's was, why I can't listen to that show. He's just full of shit. You know, it's like any any whole gimmick. I was, the heel doesn't. Yeah, the heel can't do it or whatever. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I was 12 years old and I knew that's what they were doing. I mean, who's he trying to fool here? You know, I mean, I, I know, that guy just drives me nuts. But I don't know. People seem to love it for some reason. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the Osaka show. I think that should be a top to bottom. I think that show is going to be a lot yeah, of fucking it's gonna fun. Rock. It's going to rock. We have a preview you up know? on the website right now as well. If you want to check it out, voicewrestling.com. For- and there's a, you know, we'll see what's going on with Kitamura because there's going to be a big announcement by the time most people listen to this. It'll have been made, but we're going to find out officially what's going on with that LA dojo. So maybe Kitamura is going to LA. That'd be awesome. You know, so much better than going to, <laughs> to Ring of Honor here's or the thing, though. somewhere here's, else. Yeah. Here's right. my concern with that, though. Let me run this by you real quick before we move on to All Japan because I want to get this All Japan stuff in. Um, you think it's a good idea? H- how much of an excursion is that? If you're being sent from one New Japan dojo to another New Japan dojo, well, I, mean, I think it depends if he's getting. Bo- it depends if they're then booking him on various independents throughout the country right. or whatever. Like, are they using him as a as that sort of? Now he's kind of a freelance American independent guy, and they're sort of working his bookings. Then that's a different story, I think, than going to a, a dojo. But I see what you're saying. Like, he's not ingrained in the community. He's not, you know, living at wherever he's not you know always working their shows or whatever but the problem is like you can't really i don't know that you can trust many american promotions to actually do it right and that's that's well the thing about it is it's supposed to be a learning excursion and how much are you learning going from yeah but how much are you learning like i don't i don't trust that ring of honor does a whole lot of learning either it's it's, it's not so much about these other promotions training these guys though it's more about these guys working different shows and being asked to do different things you almost want some of these sleazy promoters to say Tonight you're a fucking white meat baby face. Tomorrow, you know, then you go to the next promotion and you're this devious, racist Japanese heel because it's a backwards promoter. But at least all you're doing something different every night. I- well, that's why I like him as kind of the freelancer versus the guy that's stuck in Ring of Honor doing, you know, prelims or whatever. And that and yeah. they never do anything with him and he's got no character and he's just kind of guy you know, guy, big Japanese guy or whatever. And like, if it was a, a different ring of honor era, I would say absolutely ring of honor would be a great spot for him. But I, I don't know that there is a great spot in America right now for him to say that this is his home base and this is where he's always going to wrestle and he's always going to do it. I like the idea, like you're saying that then he can work some California Indies, then he can work, you know, in Texas and he could bounce, then he can sort of bounce around the, 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 the Southwest or whatever, maybe come to the Midwest sometimes or whatever, depending on if that's the sort of work that they want to do with him at that dojo is sort of work him out in different programs. Cause I think that's where you're going to learn a lot more than going to Ring of Honor and just being, you know, guy on the undercard that they sort of did with a lot of the, the guys previously. And, and it's not to say that there hasn't been success stories out, out of that, but, like, when you see what they did with, with Show and Yo, and you see, to an extent, what they kind of did with Jay White until the final few months, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just I don't trust that Ring of Honor would treat him well. Or yeah, I hear you. The best. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, the thing I mean, the about it, thing was an absolute joke. I mean, that, that's what, well, and that, and that wasn't necessarily their fault as much as it was, you know, that was abuse. I mean, he did, I mean, it was, he just did nothing, you know, but I don't think new Japan so much cares. I think they just want these guys to work different people, work different styles. And I don't really give a shit. It's like in the old days, they wanted you to go to America or go to Mexico or go to wherever and get pushed so they can bring you back and say, great Muda was a star in America, right. you know, or, this guy was a star in Calgary. This guy was a star in Mexico, and it would you'd have cachet when you come back. That's not the thinking anymore. 
the thinking now is just go work different styles, work with a bunch of different opponents, get away from the dojo, and then you know we can bring you back with a fresh coat of paint. We're not concerned with whether you get pushed or not. Right? You know? Yeah. No. 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 For sure. It's it's just changed. You know, I kind of prefer the old way, but you can't really count on these promotions. You really have to have great relationships with these other promoters to get them to push your people. Now, if I was an indie promoter and I actually suggested this through people to uh, PWS at the time, which is now uh, Wrestle uh, Wrestle Pro, Pro Wrestle Pro, yeah, I said, look, you're getting Watanabe. He's oh, he's based in your promotion. Do an undefeated gimmick with him. You know exactly how long you're going to have him, and then have your champion. I think it was Mario Bakura at the time. You know, beat him in a in the blow off match, and then send him back to Japan. You know, like he beat him so badly, he sent him back to Japan. This undefeated force and make some money off of him. You know, doing it. But no, they used him once or twice. They gave him a racist fucking Tron video with Godzilla's on it, and used him <laughs> in a battle royal. He had one singles match against Lance Anoy. He worked the battle royal and he disappeared. And then I think he had one more match a year later. I mean, they just did nothing with him, and it's stupid. If I'm a promoter. I'm getting this 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 piece of talent. I'm going to fucking maximize it and get everything I can out of it, especially when he's a talented guy like Watanabe. It's just not – New Japan doesn't care. They told him, go to America, learn English, gain weight. That's what they told him. You know, I talked to, to one of the guys who he, who he uh, uh, traveled with down to Texas, and they, they said that was a directive. I, they told him, gain weight and learn English. I, we don't care where you were. So it's like I don't know. The mindset with this management is just different. Now, so my whole thing is, it's like, all right, so you go from the Japan dojo training with Yuji Nagata and uh, Kushida, whoever else is there doing the training, uh, and then you go to America and you're still in a New Japan dojo, but now Rocky's training you. I mean, you know, it's almost like, but I guess we have to see what the announcement entails. They used to, you know, the old LA dojo. They used to run shows with Samoa Joe and Carl Anderson and and Mikey Nichols and Rocky Romero and 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 uh, and Ricky Reyes and all those guys and and and, uh, and Sarah Del Rey and you know they, you know they, they they had dojo shows. That would be cool if New Japan ran you know American dojo shows in LA again. But I don't know if that's the wide variety of experience that you want these guys to get. You know what I mean? I don't know if you just want to funnel your guys. Right. Then you're working guys with New Japan style, guys in that. Yeah. You know, you, you want to get them away. And that's the point of the modern excursions is not like you're saying, not necessarily to push them as a star, but to, to, to learn different styles, work in front of different crowds, do that, that sort of stuff. The old, you, you know, yeah. the old guard of, of you, this guy has to be pushed to the moon type thing doesn't necessarily hold. It's just, you know, learn different styles, you know, do different tag matches, do different styles, work in front of different crowds, work in different areas. You, you know, interact with different people than you would. Whereas, yeah, you go to the New Japan Dojo and it's going to maybe feel a lot like home. And I think one of the big parts about the excursion yes. is to sort of change it up. And that's why, like, CML is such a great one. Because, I mean, that's such a night and day experience, you know, going from, you know, Tokyo or whatever to, to you know, Mexico City or whatever. But these guys, every time they come back, they come back as much more refined, better, more polished yeah. workers. So it always works the CML route. So And it's not just working a completely different style. It's working in front of different crowds where you have to do different things to get over. That's yeah. an important thing too. So I, I would want them to get away from the New Japan system. But let's see what they say with the announcement and see what happens. But um, as usual, Rich, we are running behind. So we are running I, a little bit behind, yeah. I think we should jump in and, and hit the All Japan hard. There's not a ton to talk about here. They had the uh, they had a Yokohama show, the Twilight Blues show in Yokohama. This was on February 3rd. Drew a shade under 2,000. 1998 was the number. Not a great number. Uh, not a horrible number uh, for a main event of Kai, 
challenging Joe Doring for the Triple Crown title. First half of the show, I'll blow through it quickly because it was very inconsequential. Uh, there was an eight-man tag to open. This was officially billed as a road to junior battle of glory. So basically, they threw all their juniors, or you know, a lot of their juniors, in this eight-man tag just to sort of heat up you know, their version of best of the super juniors. So we had Koji Iwamoto, Katoro Suzuki, um, Hikaru, uh, Hikaru Sato, our boy with the bad haircut, uh, Yohei Nakajima, and uh, they defeated at Sushi Murayama, Yasuke Okada, Shuji Kondo, and Kaichi Sato. So this is a bunch of guys that are going to be in their junior tournament. Hakaru scored the fall with the cross armbar on Kaichi. And then I guess they did a brawl with Suji Kondo and Iwamoto, right? Is it, that was the deal uh, in the post-match. So I guess those guys are going to have a heated match in the tournament. Second match on the card was uh, old man Masanobu Fuchi teaming with Sushi. Uh, against Ultimo Dragon and uh, the old All Japan veteran Siyoshi Kakuchi. This was a nothing match. Ultimo Dragon won with the La Magistrale on Sushi. Totally skippable. Nothing to see here. I'm going to bury Ultimo Dragon in a minute. Uh, we had Zeus the Bodyguard and Yataka Yoshi in a six-man tag. They defeated Osama Nishimura, Black Tiger 7, and uh, Masakado. And, uh, of course, the Zeus bodyguard side was going to win that because they're pushed commodities, and Zeus scored the fall with the biceps explosion. Yeah, it's such a great, such a great name. On Black Tiger. Now, the first half of the show, I don't know if you saw it or not. The, the last time I talked to you, you said you didn't. Uh, yeah, I decided not to. After I read reviews and I read everyone's things, I said, ah, it's fine. I, so I watched it's, 205 Live and I watched a bunch of other stuff. I yeah, it, would, it was a waste of time. It was a total nothing first half of a show. The matches were just, you know, I, they, they were not good. Uh, so there was nothing to see here. The match number two flat out stunk. Uh, the you know the six man tag was okay. The opener was okay. Uh, you know two and a half star fucking two star specials. Nothing to see. Uh, they announced the carnival blocks. Why don't we do that after though? Let's run yeah, let's through do the show. Yeah, we'll do that at the end. Carnival looks great. We're going to talk about that in a second. So the business end of the card was the four title matches. First up, we had the all Asia tag team uh, decision match because unfortunately. Um, Yuma Aoyagi, who was holding, you know, was one half of those champions with Neo Nomura, uh, they he's injured. So the titles were up in the air. So Nomura teamed with Ryuji Sai here, who, you know, quality mid-card all Japan hand. He's a you know solid guy on the roster, but he never gets much of a push. Mm-hmm. And uh they took on Junakiyama and Yuji Nagata uh to determine the new all Asia tag team champions. Akiyama and Nagata win. Akiyama scores the fall with the wrist clutch, uh, you know, his exploder on Nomura. But what I liked here is Nomura survived one. Ex- Not only did he survive the first exploder, he also one. survived. Yeah, and he he also survived when Akiyama pulled the knee brace off, the uh, the knee pad off, and hit him with the naked knee. So they protected Nomura to an extent, even though he took the fall. This yeah, is no, another was, good example of a guy taking a fall, but kind of mm-hmm. being protected because he survived those two big moves. No, what was cool, too, and throughout the entire match is Nagata kept trying to get him in an exploder of his own, and he kept breaking out or kept breaking free or wouldn't let it happen. Then Nakayama hits one, he kicks out, and then Nakayama has to hit another one. So it sort of proves that, like, that was the thing that those two dudes, Akiyama and Nagata, were just like, all right, look, like, well, once you hit the exploder on you, you're done. And that's all they try to do. And they try to do it, and they eventually did succeed, but then he still kicked out and then eventually lost. But again yeah that puts him over a lot because a he was able to avoid the exploder for a lot of the match and then even when he did get hit by it he was able to kick out right away and as you said it's sort of the knee didn't do it either so he looked great in defeat but uh yeah it's a pretty fun match here uh see so this is definitely one to check out which is why i didn't mind no more taking the pin because you would think all right well size gonna take the pin right but i don't mind no more taking the pin here because they made him look great in defeat 
Oh, he looks like a million bucks. Yeah, he kicks out at one and then just, you know, and losing to Junakiyama after two exploders and a knee or whatever isn't necessarily like the worst thing in the world. No, I think it actually gets you over more. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Rather than if the other guy just got hit with one exploder and lost and Nomura, okay, so you're protecting Nomura from the the fall, but, you know, it, it works better when you do it this way. So I also think it's interesting what they did with their two tag team titles basically on this tour, because on the, on the, uh, I guess their second new year's Eve show on the third, I'm sorry, new year's show on the third Akiyama and, and Takeo Omori, your boy Omori, they lost the, the heavyweight tag team. Well, the world tag team titles as they call them in all Japan. Look, the all Asia titles are not a junior title. I think a lot of, you know, obviously you see heavyweight, but at times in their history have been used like a junior title. So I get confused in my brain sometimes. And I call the other titles, heavyweight titles, but they're not. It's just the world tag team titles for all Japan and uh, the violent giants, which is the best tag team name of all time. Suji <laughs> Ishikawa and Suwama. They won the tag titles from Jun Akiyama and Takeo Omori on the 3rd of January. So then Akiyama comes back with a new part. Now Akiyama and Omori then challenged Nomura and Aoyagi on, I forgot the date for the all Asia titles a couple nights later on the same tour. And they came up short. That was on the, uh, the 6th. So Akiyama and Omori had a bad tour. They lost the world tag team titles. They came up short against Nomura and Aoyagi, who appeared to be getting a nice little push as the All-Asia tag team champions. But then Aoyagi gets hurt. So I do think, now let me ask you, do you think, you know, they bring in, they were bringing in Yuji Nagata for this show all along. Do you think they were setting up Akiyama and Nagata to win these titles from Nomura and Aoyagi anyway? So did they get to the destination that they were really intending to get to? That's tough to say. I don't know. It's, um, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I I feel like no, but I don't, I I don't know for sure. Yeah. It's hard to say because it, it, it seemed like, Obviously, if he was a special attraction and it was just this one time, then obviously he'd lose and you wouldn't have him win the titles at all. Yeah. So obviously there was there was plans to keep him. I, I would assume that was agreed upon well before this. So I suppose it makes sense that, yeah, they were going to decide to do that. Anyway, I feel like because they won, maybe, yes, maybe your theory does lead some credence that that that, that was always going to be the plan that they were going to win no matter what, because obviously they made some yeah. sort of agreement with Nagata and didn't, you know, I doubt they, you know, last, you know, last few weeks or whatever said, oh, yeah, by the way, we need you to work, you know double the yeah. dates or you know where you're gonna win the title and, and, and keep it going so that yeah that does that does make some sense it's hard to it's hard to kind of rationalize and try to figure out but maybe maybe yeah maybe they did have the plan of doing it before or, or doing it regardless it's plausible that they said hey look man we got this situation um you know we'll book you for one more date just to lose them at some point but i think they got to their end game regardless of whether aoyagi was hurt or not because who would lose who are you gonna beat Akiyama or Nagata and, and who's going to pin those guys, Nomura or Aoyagi. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like there's no other finish I see for Akiyama and Nagata. To lose. You're not going to beat Nagata coming in. Akiyama's not going to lose to one of those guys. So I think regardless of the Aoyagi injury, I think the titles were going to Akiyama and Nagata anyway. So I kind of think they got to where they were going. It sucks that the kid is hurt. Um, especially since Akiyama lost a couple nights earlier to the same team. I don't think mm-hmm. he was going to lose to him again. So it sucks that the kid is hurt, but I do think that this is the direction they were they were planning on. I think Nagata and Akiyama were going to win all along. I don't know. That, that's my opinion. Uh, let's see. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this one. Junior heavyweight title match. Tajiri. Finally, the reign of terror is over. He loses to Atsushi Aoki. 16 minutes, cross arm breaker. 
fourth defense for Tajiri. So you had three successful defenses. I hated this fucking match. <laughs> I hated this match with the passion of a thousand burning suns. I thought Tajiri was the worst major league caliber champion in wrestling in recent memory, and that includes Jinder Mahal. Um, I think he's finished. I think he's uh, he's old. He's not in good shape, and he simply can't go anymore. Um, he's a walking rest hold, and they're not even compelling rest holds. I mean, this guy spends the majority of his matches just slapping guys inside headlocks. And then, you know, they get up, he throws a couple kicks, they do a mist-based finish. I mean, that's every Tajiri match now, and it's boring as fuck. This one was putting me to sleep, too. Tajiri is toast, and Ultimo Dragon is toast, and they can both get sent out to pasture. I never want to see these two guys again. They both stink. And I love both of them. Tajiri is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I love Ultimo Dragon. Uh, Ultimo Dragon still looks like a million bucks. He can't go anymore. Tajiri cannot go anymore. They're done. They need to go work with, you know, they need to go to legend with Tatsumi Fujinami or Ricky Pro if that's, and just go away, go with the old guys. And so I never have to watch you again because you stink. And I hated this match. It was so fucking boring. Just like all of Tajiri's junior time. I'm so glad they've moved away from this. And now we got the junior battle of glory coming. So we'll set up a challenger for Aoki. We can get some fucking people who are under 50 involved in this scene again. But you enjoyed this. So make your case. I, yeah, let, 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 a little bit of background. I, of course, I'm not into this. I, I, modern Tajiri does nothing for me either. I wasn't into the title reign. I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad it's done. But but I watched this match a long time after a lot of you guys did. So when I saw you talking about it online, when I saw a bunch of other people, I saw the reviews come out. I was like, oh, this is a disaster. And I wanted to watch it then because I knew that it, it had been built up as such a fucking disaster and a terrible match or whatever. And then I watched it and it was all said and done. I was like, you know, what? I, I didn't. I, I didn't really mind it at all. I kind of liked it at points. And and that's why I a, I don't know if I watched a different match than all you guys because because and I saw such vitriol from some of you guys. Like you talking about how much you fucking hate it. And I was like, I thought it was worked relatively quick, you know, for a Tajiri match in 2018. I thought the kicks, there were some kicks that looked pretty solid. I thought it was pretty exciting from time to time or whatever. I thought there was a lot of stuff in it that I really, really liked. And when it was done, I was just like, well, that's weird. I kind of liked it when I thought everybody would hate it. And then, or when I knew everybody hated it. So I went on, you know, our Slack chat and I said, hey, am I the only one that liked this Tajiri match? And a few other people said, no, I enjoyed it too. Those guys are all nutcases. We're probably all nutcases maybe. I don't know. But I was nice to hear that a few people did like it. And then some people just fucking absolutely hated it, like you and you and I think Dylan Justin who reviewed it hated it as well. So uh, there were a few people that really disliked this match, but I don't know. I maybe it's one of those things where like, and, and I get this a lot with really great matches too, where I watched it a few days later and everybody says, "Oh, this is the greatest match ever. You're gonna love it. It's it's incredible," and it never quite lives up to that. Whereas this, I heard, "Oh, this is a train wreck. This sucks. I fucking hate this." The jury's the worst. And when it was all said and done, I was like, "Ah, the jury was fine." And 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 I thought Aoki worked well. Uh, you know, throughout the match, and he he's great, so it was it was, it was nice to see him in this. But I kind of liked it. I don't know. I thought it was quicker. I thought it was r- relatively quick paced. I didn't see the same thing that you saw, where it was all just the headlocks. And I thought some of the kicks were okay. And I thought the story w- w- was pretty solid as well, where they Aoki sort of little by little ripping the mask off until he just says, "I don't need this anymore," and I and, and kind of takes it off and and wins the match. So I don't know. I I kind of enjoyed it. So I was I I don't know if that's because I heard all the negative stuff about it before or what it, or if i just genuinely liked it but no i i thought it was fine so i was and again i'm not going four and a half stars not like a, ma- a match of the year contender or whatever but i liked it way more than i fucking hated it like you did so you know what i mean it was that sort of weird thing so i don't know i, I maybe i watched a different match it's possible i watched a completely different to jury aoki match but i don't think so no I, I i don't know i enjoyed it that's fine. I don't understand. I mean I would watch <laughs> all Japan shows with these Tajiri matches and it's like I just dread 
that the I'm like, oh, no, and I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. I mean, for that to be said, I mean, Tajiri, a lot of people are going to read, oh, Tajiri, oh, cool. And like, if you don't watch Mountain in Japan, oh, Tajiri's, he's bad now, man. Oh, he's, he's bad. Really bad. And it's the same thing with Ultimate Dragon. He came to LaSalle to work in AEW show, and I was, you know, coming up with a few buddies who were like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see Ultimate Dragon. And I said, well, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, leave the Ultimate Dragon memories alone. What you remember of him, remember those and keep that in your mind. Think of this as a new person because you are going to be very disappointed when you see this Ultimo Dragon. And this Ultimo Dragon was fine, but tagged in twice, did a few things, tagged out, and stood on the apron while Sammy Callahan did everything else. So he, he was, doesn't even do all of his signature stuff. No, yeah, and people were like, "Oh, he's going to do." That. I was like, "No, nah, I don't. Uh, no, I don't think so." Like he's going to do yeah. a Dragon Sleeper, and he's going to like maybe do the kick. And he like kind of did the kick, but hit the guy in like the mid hip as opposed to you're not you know, getting that ass eye moonsault every night. Oh like, god, no. oh yeah, I was like, don't, that's not happening. So it's kind of this weird expectation thing, and that's what Tajiri is going to be like. You're like, oh, the buzz saw. It's like, no, nah, he doesn't saw much anymore. He just kind of slowly carves it out over time. And, but you know, it's <laughs> but this I enjoyed. I enjoyed this match, but it it, it could be partially because you put it down so much that it, 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 it I was expecting one of the worst matches ever and some boring ass piece of shit match, but it actually kept my attention throughout the entire, you know, whatever it was, 20 minutes or so. One of the worst matches I've seen this year. I <laughs> You're nuts. Yeah, no it way. really is. I couldn't no stand way. it. So boring. I just so fucking painful. I think you boring. watch a different one. I think you saw a different match. I, I, I legitimately think I'd put him below Jinder Mahal in terms of recent major league champions because at least Jinder Mahal got some decent crowd heat. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, and, I, and that's still, yeah, it's not like I'm, I'm defending to Jerry at all. I just, this match I thought was okay. I think Jinder um, had better matches than Tajiri. And Jinder had bad matches. I just, this Tajiri thing was just so bad. Oh my God. I'm so glad it's over. And it appears that they're moving on. Um, so the World Tag Team titles, we've got the Violent Giants again. What an awesome name. They just won the title earlier on this tour. Um, I guess not this tour. I don't know. Um, last month they won the titles. So they, they held the titles about a month. They lost to Miyahara and Yoshitatsu here. Um Miyahara scored the fall with a German suplex on Suwama. And here we are, Rich. Yoshitatsu <laughs> is a major promotion champion. And he's been – look, I don't want to go overboard. And I think people have been – I don't think people have gone overboard. I think people have pumped the brakes on Yoshitatsu. But it, it's, it's fair to say he's been good in all Japan. And he's been a net positive in all Japan. And he's had a couple of matches that were legitimately very good. Yes. And, yeah. Considering and, we wanted him to basically go away and retire and never yeah. come back ever again, you know, a few months ago, that, that's, that's certainly, yeah, it's certainly a, a, a great turnaround. And I love his, like, overriding theme and his overriding story of he's just a guy who works hard who isn't quite as good as the guys that he's in there with. But he works hard and he fights and, uh, you know, the Joe Doring squash was a good example. You know, he came out and challenged Joe Doring, and Doring, like, blew him off. You know, he's like, I don't care. All right, fine, whatever. I'll give you a match. And then Doring basically squashed him for all intent and purpose because that's his story. Tatsu's a guy who isn't as good as the top guys in all Japan, but but the fans are behind him because he shows heart and he shows fight. And And his wrestling has been so much better than it was in New Japan. I don't know what it is. Um, it's not just push. This is not a situation where a guy's getting pushed better and it's giving off the appearance that he's wrestling better. No, he's, he's wrestling much better than he, in new Japan. He was like sloppy. He was a botch waiting to happen. You well, he couldn't do a spine buster. He couldn't yeah. do a fucking spine buster without like nearly killing the guy. Now, look, I'm not telling you he's Kenta Kabashi all of a sudden, 
But I mean, this guy's his work is fine. And he's out there having good matches. And look, this wasn't like any kind of great match either. I didn't even like this show, if I'm being completely honest. I thought this show was was below average and disappointing. And I didn't love this match either. But it was fine. And Yoshitatsu's performance was fine. So I think he's the story here. You know, it's it's you know, Kento Miyaharo. Kento Miyaharo is gonna get back in the triple crown picture. We know that he's the next challenger for Joe Doring, and we're gonna get to that. And uh they're doing this fun tag team with him and Yoshitatsu. And you know, we've seen a little bit of that in New Japan lately too, with Sonata and Evil as tag champs, with Okada and Goto challenging them. They had a very good match in Corican Hall, which we didn't talk about very quickly. Did you like that tag match? Oh uh, yes, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, yeah, no, I you know, and, and and that's what we've been wanting New Japan to do. Oh, it's it's and, yeah, it's it, I, I can't. I mean, that's exactly what I think they've been doing for, or they should have been doing for years. Is is, is sort of mixing the main event guys in the tag. It, it yeah, elevates the tag anything, tag. Yeah, yeah. If they're not doing anything, then 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 put them in something. Have them do a little thing. I mean, I wouldn't mind if Okada, you know, when he eventually when he loses the title, goes on you know a six month tag title run or whatever. It's fine with me. Or even wins them. Fuck it. You know, yeah, he oh, always that's has right. a well, guy. No, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, that's right. Go on a tag title run. Like, win the titles. And, yeah. and with Yoshi, I'd like, whoever. Fuck it. Some guy in chaos. He just Someone wins the titles. The yeah. yeah. The old All Japan, the old All Japan thing where every star had a fall guy that they teamed with. That's fine. You know, and, and All Japan does that. So, Miyohara wins the titles with Yoshitatsu. Look, I didn't think it was any kind of great match or anything. It was fine. Had a hot closing stretch and all those sorts of things. And, uh, and there you go. What did you think of the match? And then we'll talk about the, uh, the uh, post-match stuff a little bit. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, that's uh, you can't. I mean, Suwama and, and Ishikawa are, are great. And Ishikawa is just incredible too. But I think the the real thing that was when it was all said and done, the match, you, the, the thing that I focused on again was, was the Yoshitatsu thing. And I think the thing is, it, it's comfort level. I feel like this guy just feels. Maybe it's that he doesn't have the same expectations that he felt in New Japan, or he he just never seemed to quite you know post Styles Clash, post injury Styles Clash. He just never, and even I mean really before that too, he just never felt comfortable in, in going back to New Japan. It was like that was his old home, and he came back to it, and and nothing was the same. Like when he left, you know, he wanted it to be the same, he wanted it, but it wasn't, and he was the outcast, and he was kind of looked at. Whereas this, he's sort of the they're he's still an outcast but they're walking with open arms or whatever the crowds are into him that you know they're not giving him crickets because that was the thing it wasn't just like his work wasn't great in new japan which it wasn't it was garbage and 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 the characters were terrible or whatever but the crowds just did not give a shit it was sad to hear the crowds which that's would come out to nothing crickets and now the all japan crowds have embraced him have kind of taken him in as their own or whatever he's sort of this orphan child that they've now said oh no we've given you a home and he's freelance or whatever and and yeah he's still kind of kind of but they feel he feels like one of their own right now at least for the time being and it's worked out well he feels more comfortable he looks better i feel he's gotten himself in better shape too i don't know if it's maybe it's just me sort of projecting what i feel like but he never felt like he was in great shape in new japan it showed in his work like he was a little slow he was a little sloppy he was a little disjointed or whatever whereas in all japan it seems like he's just working a little bit better he's got the beard he's got a little bit of an edge or whatever i don't know i mean when it was all said and done i was looking at this match and 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 truthfully i had to tell myself like jesus was yoshihashi the best part of this match like i still think ishikawa probably was but it's like dude you have a legit case of yoshitatsu kento miyahara suama and ishikawa and 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 yoshitatsu was right up there with them and arguably the best guy in the entire match which is nuts I wouldn't go that far in this one. The the tag match he had at the end of the last year, I think uh, you can make a better argument for that. But yeah, he he hung. He he hangs in there. Yeah, it's um, it's nuts. Yeah, so uh, of course Zeus and Bodyguard come out to make the challenge. They had won the six man earlier in the night, so that was announced for February twenty fifth. So we'll have Zeus and Bodyguard. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Zeus and Bodyguard win that match as the uh, circulating tag team titles continue here in all Japan with both sets of titles changing hands pretty frequently here. That would not shock me at all. Uh, but then we had this weird post-match, and I don't know what was going on here, but uh, Suwama 
was attacked by so after Zeus and Bodyguard make their challenge, they mosey on out. Uh, Miyohara and, and Yoshitatsu take off, but then Suji Ishikawa takes off too, and Suwama ends up in the ring by himself. And Kendo Kashin and Nosa- and our old pal Nosawa out of the question <laughs> confront and attack this man. Um, the last person I ever want to see in a pro wrestling ring is Kendo Kashin, and not far behind is Nosawa. I was going to say that's not your target audience at all. Right? Okay, so um, all Japan has done a nice job working in some of these guys that you know, and and and, and piecing cards together and those sorts of things. And I guess there's some novelty value in Kendo Kashin and Nosawa Rangai attacking Suwama. It was just all so bizarre. But Rich, it got way more bizarre. I was gonna say, then you probably threw your laptop through a window here in a minute. But when old Ironhead himself, Kazuyuki Fujita, made his way down to the ring and uh, you know, he had like a hood over his head or whatever. This is fucking weird, dude. So we've got Kazuyuki Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Nosawa Rangai. Apparently, uh, you and know, Sato made the save too. Like everybody that you hate was in the ring at one time. Like if a nuke dropped on that ring, you'd be really okay. Like yeah. you lose Suwama, and that would suck. But you, you know, for you, you lose Sato, Kashin, and Nosawa. And I, I got one no beef with. Yeah. I, listen, I oh, I, Ironhead's fine. I got no problem with Ironhead. I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table in 2018. Uh, but I have no problem with Fujita. Uh, Kendo Kashin can get fucked. Yeah, but you had three of your least guy. favorite in the ring at the same time. It could have happened, Joe. You could have could have you gotten know, rid of them all at once. But you know, wrong guy. You know, at least there's a novelty value in him. I guess to some extent. I, I guess I don't like super hate him. I gotta get the uh, the, the Kendo Kashin is actually good guy in our mentions. That guy has been around for a while. He's still alive. <laughs> Well, see, here's the other thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, we always get that. But here's the other thing about Ron Guy. He's Black Tiger 7. So what I would like to know is, is that... Whoa! Cannon, oh, my God, Joe. Come on. Oh, did I just unmask the man? How dare you? <laughs> well, this is what I'm asking you. Is, like, do the commentators acknowledge that it's the same man? I don't know the answer to that. And I think it would be kind of funny if they don't. You know, but I don't... I don't know if in New Japan story you know what i mean you understand what i'm saying here i don't know if it, he's it's considered the same man or not because black tiger seven did take the fall earlier in the show was that his write-off i don't know i i, I like are they reintroducing nosawa as a newcomer or are the announcers like oh my god he shed the mask do you see what i'm saying i don't yeah I don't know yeah i don't know that either yeah, i'm not sure i'm not sure either how they've they've sort of done it when so you know, and then it wasn't just Takaru Sato who made the save for Suwama, but the young boy, Yasuki Okada, I guess he's not a young boy anymore, who also was one of the guys who ran in, which I thought was cool. And then, of course, I love the description here. Where did you pull up these results from? Um, uh, it's Spirit. from Priest of Spirit. Yeah, it's Priest of Spirit. It said Suwama left in confusion. Well, I was confused, too. Because I <laughs> left left in both confusion and anger. <laughs> like- yeah. So, you know, I, this is just bizarre. How so I hurt and what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Who just came out and why? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's got Hikaru Sato saving him. And, and uh, you know, so just a wild, bizarre post-match scene. And um, so, uh, and then I guess uh, Yasuke Okada now elevated somewhat as Suwama has uh, allowed him into evolution. So there's yeah. that too. So a lot was going on there. Um, I like Okada getting elevated a bit. Um, he's a kid with some potential, so that's good to see. It's always good to see anybody get elevated, but this feud he's is... Like, he's, what, first year or two of his career? I mean, how young... I mean, how long has he been wrestling for? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? 
He wasn't a rookie this year. I believe he was a rookie. No, he may have been a rookie this year. Yeah, let me, let me look it up, actually. That's what I'm kind of curious, because this is a big spot for him already. As, as far, he was regardless, a, of, regardless if he was a rookie this year or, 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 or in 2017 or uh, the year prior, it's still, I mean, for especially all Japan. Um, let's see. Look, yeah, he debuted January 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. God, he's damn. one year in. One year <laughs> wow. in. Wow. He's good, though. He's a good little wrestler. Oh, he's no, he's, he's solid, yeah. He's, you know, yeah. so... You know, and now he's in a big time, you know, he's in Suwama's fucking unit now. So, um, so it looks like we're in for some uh, trios match with, uh, cause Sato and Suwama made up and, and Okada join is joining Suwama and they're going to take on fucking 50 year old Ironhead Fujita can piece of shit. Kendo Kashin and fucking black tiger seven. <laughs> I mean, what is happening? Is that, here? Is that a no? sufficient nickname, piece of shit, Kendo Kashin? I, that's fine, but I'm going to call him piece of shit, Kendo Kashin. I mean, he's never been good ever in his life. So, I mean, he's just terrible. He's, you know. Oh, I can't, I can't um, wait for the dimensions. That'll be. That'll be he stinks. I mean, no, get, I, I know. He's he fucking good terrible. Stuff. Yeah. You know, he's never been good. Uh, he's certainly not good now. You know, he, he's an old man and, and he stinks. So, anyway, um, we're still running way behind here. So, let's move on to the main event. We had Joe Doring defending against Kai. Um, overview. I have enjoyed the fuck out of Joe Doring's title run. I think the story of beating cancer is awesome. I love that he wears the fuck cancer shirt to the ring with his giant fur coat. This man is a fucking pimp. I enjoy the Joe Doring, and I love his story. He's just, it's next man up, and I'm going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, he accepts every challenge, and then he just beats the fuck out of you. You know, I don't know if you watched his post-match interview, you know, but they asked him. They said, Joe, who do you want to face? And he's like, I don't care. They can work here. They can work in another promotion. Put anyone in front of me, and I'm going to kick their ass. And I love that. You know, it's like that's all I need. That's been the theme of this podcast, Rich. That's all I need. Right. I need a champion. I don't care. I don't yeah. care. I'm just going to beat you. I'm it doesn't beat matter. Your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he gets you in the ring, and he beats your ass. And you know, this was not a great match. I didn't even think this was a good match. I no, mean, I was kind of surprised. A- when it was all said and done, it was this weird thing where the match was over, and I was like, ah, that's kind of disappointing. But then I was like, you know what? No, I, I, I'm glad it was that way. I'm glad just Doe Doring kind of played around with Kai for a little bit and then just said, fuck it, you're done. And then pins him and it's over. You know what I mean? Hits the, yeah, it's the bomb. Revolution it's the revolution bomb. bomb. Pit one, two, three. Kai doesn't kick out. Kai doesn't get a hope spot or two. It's just like, nah, dude, you're done. Move on. Next. Like, did he kick out of one? I can't remember. I don't. Re- I don't recall if he did or not. But he either kicked out of one or like escaped an attempted one. There was something there. I feel like he escaped. I don't think he kicked out, but but I don't know exactly. Been a few yeah, I can't. Back, I, don't, I don't recall either. It was that weird thing where I was like disappointed initially because I thought, oh, it wasn't like the back and forth that I wanted. But then I was like, you know what? No, this story fucking rocks. Like, that's exactly yeah. what I would want out of my big champion. It's just a. You know, Kai isn't a guy that really needs to be, you know, going neck and neck with your champion. He fucking beats him and puts him off to the side. All right, who's next? Whatever. You know, but I, I found I found the Yoshitatsu match more compelling, even though Yoshitatsu had got even less of offense than Kai. And maybe it's because of Yoshitatsu's story and the way that they set up the match. But I just look, I gave Kai a chance here. He's back to traditional pro wrestling tights wearing Kai, which I'm happy about. He's done doing the goofy DDT jumping jacks gimmick, which I thought was super fucking cringe. Um, you know, and 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 I gave him a chance here because he has been having some some uh, nice performances and tag matches and such. But um, I'm back off the Kai way. This guy just I can't. Kai is not good. I'm tired of hearing people defend Kai. Um, this match was not great. This was an average match. Against a guy who, I mean, Joe Doring just had a fucking, you know, he just had that match against Zeus. I mean, come on. I mean, you got to have a better match than this. I understand what you're saying, where the story is you don't want to give Kai a ton. 
that doesn't mean you can't have a better match than this. I mean, I just thought this was an average yeah, match. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, when it was all said and done, I kind of was fine with it just because whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't really, I didn't think much of Kai anyway. But I know you've been sort of buying into Kai and really hoping that he was going to be more than he I is. I was ready to give him a chance. You know? Right, and I get that. I get the disappointment on that level. And again, like, I was spoiled and I kind of knew the result and I knew what people thought of the match. So I went in just kind of being like, all right, let's see what happens here. And, and when it was all said and done, I ended up a little disappointed. But at the end, was like, ah, you know what? This is probably exactly what I've wanted. So your expectations match. were tempered. Yeah, but I, I kind of wanted Joe Dorian just to beat his ass, and that's what he did. And yeah. it was like, all right, cool, like whatever. I didn't need, I, I didn't need to be. I've sort of always been off the, I've been off the Kai bandwagon for years, and 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 it's been very hard for me to ever get back on. I don't know if I ever will get back on. So I wasn't like clamoring for him to go out there and kill it. I was just like, I don't really care. I just want Joe Dorian to kind of set him aside. And then he did, and it was like, yeah, initially disappointing because it wasn't that back and forth that you sort of expect from a main event. But then at the end, I was like, oh, that's exactly the story that Joe Dorian should do. He should beat Kai in, in fourteen minutes and just move on with him. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I I hear you. Um, from that perspective, yeah, but I get it. I get it. You're expecting you you you're if you're you know I'm someone that's buying it. I'm I'm sitting on my couch. I want to watch a good world title match. They did not deliver a quality world title match, in my opinion. That's all I'm saying. It was an average match. I wanted more out of it. No, I mean I I, I enjoyed it from from a real like match standpoint. I enjoyed God. I of the things I watched, it's probably the least one that I enjoyed of the, of the four that I watched. Oh, on the show. Yeah, because I like the Chijiri Aoki, of course you didn't, but like, yeah, because I watched the uh, the last uh, like one, the two, yeah, I liked all the tag matches and and then the Aoki Tajiri. So yeah, that was my least favorite match, you know, of the yeah, other things. Fair, even right? if I understand, even if I understand and enjoy the story as as the match, it was just like, yeah, like you're saying, it was just kind of like, all right, well, that's that's done. So yeah, I mean, overall, I didn't think this was a good show. Um, it was a show with a lot of average matches. That there wasn't a single match on this show that gripped me to where I was like, wow, I that was great. You know, or that was really good, or um, I'm going to be talking about. No, it was just a bunch of average matches, in my opinion. You know, it was all three star stuff at best. And even you know, um, this met this show didn't really do much for me. And I didn't hate the show. I didn't. It's weird. I didn't watch the show, and then when I was done with it, I didn't hate myself for watching it or think that I wasted three hours watching it. But it wasn't a good show. Um, but at the same time, I'm really enjoying the All Japan booking. So on some level, I, I I didn't I did enjoy watching it, and it's not like it turned me off from all Japan. Now I'm excited about what's coming up. Yeah, even if you weren't like overly excited about it, everything's sound and everything makes sense, and everything has yeah. consequence, and everyone's got yeah. things to do or whatever. So yes. you always kind of want that. As far as a booked wrestling show, even if it was mundane or boring, you still feel like I didn't waste it because things happened and there was. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, I'm still into I'm still into Joe. He just didn't have a great match. You know, it's right, like exactly. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm into the idea of Miyahara and Yoshitatsu as tag champs. I think this company is well booked. I think there's a lot of people here I enjoy watching. I'm happy that Tajiri is going to be phased out uh, apparently. Um, you know, so I just didn't love the match. I thought it was an average show. That's all, and and that's okay. I mean, not every show is going to fucking blow you away, and not every world title match is going to is going to blow you away either. You know, we're, sometimes we get spoiled by New Japan. You know, where all these Okada matches just knock it out of the park. I mean. Look, and the thing with Kai is that's it. I, I I gave him a chance. I give up. Kai is a fucking – he's just a guy. He is the Japanese Nick Aldis. He is the Japanese uh, fucking name your jag of choice. Bobby Roode. Yeah. Um, fucking Nick Aldis. Uh, Mike Bennett. I mean that's what he is. I mean he's just – there's nothing there with him. And it's kind of ironic that he had a match here. Well, you know, it's like Sonata is in the spot that Kai was just in against Okada coming up. I talked about it earlier. It's kind of similar. You know, Kai had a chance to really step up here and at least win me over. And I know Kai Joe Doring in front of 2,000 people isn't the same 
as Sonata versus Kazuchika Okada in a big building in Osaka. But, you know, relatively speaking, I think it was a very similar kind of match. Don't you agree? Like, you have this challenger that no everyone knows isn't going to win, and Kai and Sonata are attached at the hip. Kai didn't deliver. We'll yeah. see if Sonata does. Mm-hmm. You know? And and Kai to me is just he's a jag. He's a guy that I just he's nothing, you know, and, and I think this is a big setback for him. And um, you know, I just I you know, I he's he's never gonna he he is what he is. Kai is what he is. And maybe Sonata had one eye on this match, maybe he didn't. I think that it's important for Sonata to deliver in the big spot the way that Kai did not in this match. So um Kento Miyahara stepped up. He will be the next challenger for Doring. We knew this was coming eventually. So did you want to go over the uh, – I think the carnival blocks are fantastic. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. That's probably uh, – we might have to push the uh, the match of your thing to uh, – uh, do you want to do a quick overrun here? We only have 10 minutes. Yeah, we'll do a quick uh, like 15-minute overrun, I think. We could do that, kind of wrap okay. up the, the match of the year. All right, so we got the A block, Kento Miyahara, Suji Ishikawa, uh, Yuji Hino. Oh, my God. I was so excited to see that. <laughs> Middle uh, fingers are plenty. Let's do it. Uh, Ryuji Sai, the bodyguard, ne- uh, Neo Nomura, Joe Doring, the champ, and Shingo Takagi from Dragon Gate. Look at that fucking oh, That's block. some beef right there. Ishikawa versus Shingo. Yuji Hino versus Shingo. Ishikawa versus... Hino. Yeah, that's... Oh, the bodyguard's there, too. I forgot. <laughs> some bulk on that. And that Joe Doring is there. Man, that's a beefy. That's a beefy block right there, man. Look at all the matches. Yeah, that's okay. fucking... Miyahara Doring. Miyahara Ishikawa. Miyahara Hino. Miyahara Takai. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Shingo Go down the line, Hino. Yeah. Shingo Ishikawa. Shingo Miyahara. Shingo Joe Doring. Nao Nomura versus all these guys. Yeah. The bodyguard is going to have a couple good matches against some of these guys. Ryuji Sai, look... You put him in this block with this caliber of talent. Oh, he's gonna he's look gonna like an all-star. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. I mean, yeah, he's gonna look awesome, oh man. my god, this fucking block! I mean, this is an incredible block. I'm gonna be all over it. And listen, the other one's not that far behind. Let's look at the B block. Junakiyama, who said he was done with the carnival. I think he saw the guys in this one and was like, "Fuck." <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in again. Okay, Kai, who we just talked about, he can go fuck himself. Zeus, Naomichi Marafuji. Coming in from Noah. He's the big uh, outsider in this block. Suwama, Yoshitatsu, uh, Yutaka Yoshi, and James Ray Dean, who's doing like some kind of weird gimmick now. I don't know. I didn't recognize him at first, you know? So I think that's going to be interesting to see what the fuck James Ray Dean is doing. So each block has two outsiders. We've got Yuji Hino and Shingo in the A block. We've got Marafuji and whatever Ray Dean, I don't know if he's getting a new name. I don't have any idea. Um, are the outsiders in the B block? Now this block isn't as good, but it's got quality. We're gonna get a Junakiyama Marafuji match, which I am fucking pumped about. We're gonna get Zeus versus both of those guys. We've got Suwama in this block, and we've got the rejuvenated Yoshitatsu, who's gonna have an opportunity to go out there and have singles matches against a different variety of opponents. There's people that are still gonna be into Kai. I am not one of them. Yoshi is a guy who throughout history I have never liked, but he always surprises me and has a good match now and then. I don't think he's going to get any wins here. He's probably going to lose most of his matches. And I don't think – I think he's there sort of as the night off, honestly, uh, for a lot of these guys. And then I'm real curious what they're going to do with James Radine, who I like better on paper than I always do in practice. Yeah, it never kind of works. I'm always excited about it when he comes out because he looks like a million bucks and then he like wrestles and he's just kind of – Yeah, and he's kind of just – you know, but – 
But, um, you know, with the new gimmick and everything, but man, that A block. Holy oh, yeah. I mean, the B block's shit. fine, but Jesus, that A block. <laughs> like, there's going to be matches that I'm going to pick and choose in the B block, but I don't know that there's a legit match on the A block that I can make that I wouldn't be somewhat interested. I mean, the worst match would be Sai and Bodyguard. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Like, that might be fine. Like, but otherwise, every other match, every other matchup is fine and, like, good. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Like, that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's such a good yeah. block. I mean, yeah. that block, I mean, look, the bodyguard, people are higher on him than I look. I, I still think he puts up some wet farts in terms of performance. Oh, no, for sure. But there's, there's a fun factor to the bodyguard. There is well. a fun like, factor. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he does deliver sometimes. Like, he can deliver, you know, it, it, and, and with all this talent, I, I don't see how he can't deliver at least a couple times in this block. You know, you look at this block and you almost forget Joe Doring is in it. <laughs> That's what I said. Like we were going over those matches. Oh yeah, the champion Joe Doring, who we love and adore. Yeah, he's he's in there too. This is right up there with any of your G one blocks. I mean, this is a great block. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, when you really look at it, there's not a bad match. I mean, really, like I said, the worst match probably to me. I don't know what you what you would pick as your worst match, but it'd be yeah, it'd probably be Cyber versus Bodyguard, and even yes. that's. Fine. And then every other match is, is is like, yeah, you went over them. I mean, every other scenario is great. So there's one out of an entire block of all these guys. There's one match that I look at and go, eh. And every other one I'm I'm ecstatic for. So that's that's yeah. really saying something. That's I want to see Nomura as a dog yeah. against these guys. And I want to see Shingo mix it up with these dudes. Fucking Shingo, dude. Yeah, Shingo. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, Shingo and Yuji Hino is, is something I, I definitely need in my life. But uh, yeah, the people like, I mean, I'm looking at initially, like Akiyama, Marifuji, of course, that I'm going to be pretty interested in. Uh, see what Yoshitatsu does as he mixes it up. But yeah, unfortunately, there's a few guys in there that just don't do much for me. Ray Dean doesn't do much for me. Um, Suwama is, is, has been better, but he's kind of still to me a little hit or miss. And I know that people get upset when I say it, but I don't know. It's sometimes it just doesn't click with me. Uh, with Swam all the time, and then Kai, of course, you know, I mentioned I've, I've been off the bandwagon for quite a few years, and Zeus, I, I like Zeus at times, but he's kind of capable of, of, of having some not great ones either, so, I don't know, the B-Block's got some skippable ones, there's some matches I'm still going to look, but that's going to be very pick and choose, whereas there is Akiyama no pick and choose. If Akiyama and Marafuji decide that they want to fucking try, oh, they're yeah. back to clock, and, you know, do, you know, Akiyama's kind of been taking it easy, but um, man, that's an interesting match, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it's almost historical, you know. It, it's I'm very I'm very much looking forward to that. So um, all Japan, I guess we should talk about very quickly. I think we have about five minutes left. Um, the streaming service, so yeah. they're rolling one out just like everybody else is. It's going to be nine hundred yen a month, so about nine, eight, nine, ten bucks a month, mm-hmm. uh, U.S. currency. Um, you know, a little bit cheaper than the uh, New Japan service. Um, this is a good thing if it makes all Japan easier and more accessible. Um, depending look if it's a fucking disaster like the big japan service that everybody hates obviously i'm not going to spend my money on it but this is a company where okay the ddt service i've never purchased it and i doubt i ever will um i might buy it to watch a peter pan show or something uh but i've never purchased it and i don't think i will i'm just not into the promotion enough all japan is a promotion where i would consider paying for a service especially the way they're rolling right now um, I would definitely pay for it if it guarantees me all of the carnival shows so I could see all the matches I want. So this is one that I may buy. If All Japan All Japan's going the way of a streaming service, I don't follow Big Japan anymore. I don't follow DDT anymore because they're behind paywalls. All Japan is a promotion. I will go out of my way to continue to follow. I will cough up the money. Where do you stand on that? 
Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, this is one that I'm definitely going to consider. And I'm, the, you know, Big Japan, I didn't jump in on right away. And I'm glad I didn't because that's been a disaster. And, and there's like, again, we talked about when they launched the services, half the Big Japan matches I don't like and I actively dislike and don't want to see and, and don't care to see. So that was kind of a, a, an easy choice there. Uh, DDT is something that like, yeah, I could see me kind of diving in every so often, but I don't love the promotion enough, I think, to watch every little bit piece and, and really invest in it. But yeah, all Japan, I could absolutely see it. I mean, it's one of the better promotions for just kind of putting on and watching a show. And, and like we said, it might not be the most exciting show, but the end of the day you're like hey everything i saw had consequences everything was good or, or or solid and i feel like i didn't waste my you know three hours or two hours or whatever so yeah and the price point's pretty solid the key for a lot of people and i think that's going to be maybe a disappointment level and i don't know if they've announced it is how much of the old classic footage because people are thinking that they're going to get out of the service and get everything from the 70s and everything from the 80s and everything from the 90s and I, I i don't know i i have no idea how that relationship works obviously as we as we mentioned on the show many many years ago that this new all japan that was formed is essentially a new company junakiyama essentially shut down the old or whatever the quote quote unquote old all japan and started a new all japan so it's a new company i don't know how that works with tv relationships i don't know if that works with the tv stations but as we saw with with new japan world it's not so easy just to say hey new japan's got a service all right every match that's ever aired on new japan's gonna air i mean it's easy for wwe because they have all that stuff they own all that stuff it's not that easy in japan there's there's different ideas with tv contracts and and tv stations or whatever so and again yeah we've seen that with new japan world where people are always kind of disappointed that there's not enough of the classic content on there and a lot of it is because yeah it's like you know some random tv station owns it or whatever and that's a big issue with all japan so i you know if you're ordering this so you can watch all through you know years 1990 to 1999 of all japan or whatever you might want to wait and see because i don't know 100 if that's going to be all available i don't think they're going to have it it's that the the old baba all japan technically folded right and, and akiyama just bought the rights i guess to the titles and the trademarks and started a new company he doesn't own that shit to my knowledge and he would have to purchase it either from whoever owns it the television station that aired it originally or from, you know, the Baba uh, estate. I, 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 so I, you know, I guess there's the possibility that they have done that. I don't, I've, I haven't read that anywhere. Right. And I don't think, so that, look, that's I would not don't count on it. Do yeah, that's temper expectations. If you're ordering it for the idea that, hey, I can watch some new All Japan, but man, I can watch all the old stuff. Like, be careful. I mean, make I sure think before old you. stuff in this case may just be the last three years or however, right. whenever yeah. you start a new company. Exactly. In terms of older footage, yeah, what you're investing in is the is, is the current show, it's more so than everything from the eighties. Absolutely, 80s or absolutely. You know, that's. Uh, I think. Did you mention again that the carnival uh, starts April seventh? I don't know if you actually did that, but it's it's coming up pretty quick here. So April seventh through the thirtieth, it's coming. So that's if you needed anything more to watch uh, between you know the first or second week of April, there you go. You now you got the champion carnival uh, getting ready at uh, April seventh, and then the uh, the all Japan service uh, beginning in March. So they'll be up before the champion carnival. So yeah, said. if they air live shows and stuff, I think it's pretty cool. I'll buy it. Yeah, you know, oh, for sure. No, it's, it's going to be a problem. Well. In a timely manner. I mean, I, I listen, it's nice to have it for free, but if it's, I pay for ease of accessibility. That's a big um, draw for me. You know, I don't yeah, mind. You know, it's always going to work and know when you click yeah. on it, the video is going to sync and, yeah. and the audio is going to sync with it and it's not going to drop out halfway through or whatever. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits to paying, you know, a little bit more for, for your time sure. and your, you know, yeah, if, if it's eight bucks a month, I can pay that. You know, for 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 my time and and my anger levels when when things yeah. drop out or the sinks got an issue or whatever. All right, uh, we're gonna take off for uh, this portion of the show though. But I think really quickly we'll do maybe about ten or fifteen minutes on the uh, the overrun, uh, kind of recapping our match of the year. Vo- uh, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling if you want to listen to that. Uh, we'll do that here in a bit for our, uh, our two dollars subscribers to plus uh, for the overrun. But anyway, for uh, Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care. In a world of one million
Wrestling Podcast, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and in me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.